Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Weber. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. We got a great Fast Break Podcast for you today. We're talking about the second best team in the Western Conference. The Nuggets? Possibly. I mean, on the the standings. Possibly. Standings are number two. But also, they're not the team that we are placing at number one right now. Uh, We don't want to be asking another duh topic, as Ladyboy Lover said about our Cam Reddish topic that we did last week. Uh, Of course, Cam's being overshadowed. He's the third best player on Duke. Well, then is he being overshadowed if he's properly ranked? That's the question. Uh, But we are going to be talking about the team behind the Golden State Warriors who we think is the best, because although they're not number one in the standings, we do think they are the best team in the the heart and uh, in the league when you look at it from a sensible reason. Uh, So we will be talking about who is two behind them because obviously the Houston Rockets aren't even in the playoff picture right now and then from that we're going to go into the NBA draft the 2019 NBA draft we're going to be talking about the best point guard prospects after Darius Garland will be out for the remainder of the season he had foot surgery so he's going to be done so that landscape has changed as Dave put it and then we're going to wrap it up with 2019 prospect talk for the Phoenix Suns currently they are worse than the Cleveland Cavaliers and all other 28 teams in the NBA. So we'll be talking about them first, and if they do have the number one pick, where they will go, where where they should go, what prospects, what positions should they be looking at, which prospects are best fits for them, and we'll be doing all of that. Those are our three main topics, and of course we will be including Wet Boys, where we talk about guys who absolutely went off in the past week and give them some love. But before we jump into that, one final thing. If you are listening to us on iTunes, if you're listening to us on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening through Blog Talk Radio or Stitcher, please head over to iTunes, look up the Fast Break Podcast, and give us a five-star rating. Helping us out in that way is free. It's super easy. It's super quick, and it does truly help us get more views and more ears onto this podcast. So we'd greatly appreciate it if you took that time out and gave us that love. But guys, let's jump into the Second most dangerous team in the Western Conference right now. The Golden State Warriors do sit in fourth place. Like I mentioned, they are 15-8, and eight, but we all agree, have a consensus agreement like most NBA viewers, that they are the best team in the Western Conference and in the NBA. But obviously with the scuffle that uh, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant had, that kind of sidetracked them a bit. And obviously their most valuable player in Steph Curry has been out with an injury. So that's really hurt their record so far. But when they are full strength, they are the best team in the NBA. So let's ask the question. Who is the second best team in the Western Conference behind the Golden State Warriors? Ricky, I'll go to you first. I, with me, I'm sitting between one of two teams, and they are one and two in the Western Conference. But Ooh. the team I've got to, I've got to go with is the one that you were hyping up before the season, Sean. Denver has just impressed me beyond what I thought they would be, and I was kind of talking to Dave when we were out to dinner yesterday after too old the game, where it's like. This team kind of pisses me off in a way. Nice um, plug, by the way. Because it's just, I mean, 
I I'll be honest. When you were like they're gonna be a top three team, I didn't want them to be. I don't want this team to dethrone the Warriors, but it's like I look at them and you look at what they're getting from everyone. Like they're a team that is right now, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six players deep scoring in double digits. They've got four players scoring at least 16 points a game. And if this team can stay healthy, it's going to be important going forward. And I know that Will Barton has only played two games. So, I mean, that 16.5 mm-hmm. is like, oh, and they'll be getting back two. Yeah. But when they get him back, it's like, okay, everything I just said now gets a little bit better. And this team has been kind of avoiding the injury bug a little bit and rolling and beating good teams in the process because the thing that I want to just say about the Nuggets and the Clippers, yeah, they both beat the Warriors, but the Nuggets did it with all four of the main cast minus DeMarcus Cousins. All four of the main cast on the floor where the Clippers did it when Steph was injured. So obviously we'll, I'll be kind of hyping up the, the Nuggets a little mm-hmm. bit more, but you do throw out the Clippers there. And I don't think Dave's answer is going to be the Clippers. Correct it's not. me if I'm wrong. So why are you throwing the Clippers out there? Because I think right now most people are shocked that the Clippers mm-hmm. are number one in the Western Conference. This is a team with no star at all. I mean, Tobias Harris has been playing fantastic. Gallinari has been pretty good for them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously uh, Montrezl Harrell has been good for them, but there's no bona fide star. There's not an all-star on this team. Why are you saying the Clippers have a shot to be the second best team in the Western Conference? Two reasons. Number one is they've gotten they've gotten guys on the team to contribute that I didn't expect to contribute in this way. Like Montrez Harrell, didn't expect him to have the season that he's having. Did not expect Tobias Harris to kind of be leading this team, kind of taking the mantle and kind of I say if they don't have him, they're not in this situation. Certainly. The thing of question, though, that I have for them and why I went with the Nuggets is you look at like Lou Will and Harold haven't started a game this year. They've been doing all of their damage, the 17, 16 points off of the bench. Then, I mean, I look at their schedule. Yeah, they beat the Bucks. Yeah, they beat the Warriors. But like I said, Warriors without Steph Curry. Both of those games were at home. The thing that they haven't done that the Nuggets have done is I look at their losses. Denver, going to be a playoff team. The Pelicans, going to be a playoff team. Oklahoma City will look to be a playoff team. The Sixers are a playoff team. Portland right now would be a playoff team. And then at Washington, all of those losses, every loss except for Denver, has been on the road. And in the playoffs, I mean, unless they're going to be the number one seed, which I don't think they're going to be, the Warriors will get healthy, they'll get DeMarcus Cousins and be the number one seed. Unless you're going to be number one, you're going to have to win on the road, and if you can't do that, you're not going to beat the Warriors in a seven-game series. Dave, who do you think the second-best team in the Western Conference is? Going to get called crazy for this, but right now, it's OKC. Like, this I, is a team... I thought you were going Memphis, so OKC is much <laughs> well, better. Memphis is like You've been my, riding that Memphis train all the, year. Ricky mentioned two teams, but <laughs> Memphis is like my low-key number two team. Uh, I ain't going to go there right now because I'm... Well, I'm being realistic. Oklahoma City Thunder is a team that underperformed last year, and we were all extremely disappointed with, you mm-hmm. know, their, their attempt at a big three didn't work out. Like, obviously, the Carmelo Anthony problems were there. But this year... They are doing something special, and they've had injuries on this team as well, and they are just starting to hit their groove. Defensively, they're one of the best teams in the league right now. They lead the league in defensive rating, actually. Uh, Offensively, we're getting Schroeder having some great performances, uh, being able to fill in that role as the lead point guard when Russ was out. Mm -hmm. And now that Russ is there, they have like great two-way play between both of them. Steven Adams, 
really excelling this year. And I think Paul George kind of uh, has been publicly and and privately talking to him about like having to take more of a role on this team. And it's the the note it's a noticeable difference out of him. So I think that they are having all the right pieces contribute, and then the depth they added with Nerlens Noel, Hamadou Diallo, a guy who we're like. He doesn't know how to play basketball, but he's an athlete. Like he can go out there and ball. It's it's bizarre, but like they're getting results out of those secondary players. And obviously, like it's just weird because Abrinus is making it rain out there from the outside. He had a great game last night. Yeah, seven uh, threes. Seven threes. All twenty one points off. And he just Jordan shrugged it off. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh, that that close to home. But no, this is a team where they're getting it done defensively. And that is exactly what you want to see. Here's the only thing that worries me about the Thunder. And it's just how their schedule is right now. I look at their losses. And the first four to start, the Thunder were still gelling, but also Golden... I mean, Russ wasn't there. Yeah, Russ wasn't there. But Golden State was healthy to start the year. Sacramento was rolling to start the year. Boston was not struggling like they were right now into those four games. And the Clippers played pretty well. The other loss that they have, Dallas on the road, another Kings loss on the road, and then the Nuggets, who are the second-best team. Every other team, I'm looking like, yeah, they beat the Warriors in Golden State, but I'm going to put that asterisk next to it because the Warriors, and I know people are going to get like pissed off, like, oh, it doesn't matter that Steph wasn't there. It kind of matters that Steph wasn't there because this team is completely different when you're going to have those four guys, Draymond, Durant, um, Curry and Thompson, and you take any of those away because they're not a deep team Can in general. Beat the team in front of you, you know? but then I like look at like they're playing the Suns and the Knicks and the Rockets haven't been that good and the Cavaliers. So I wonder if right now it's the strength of schedule hasn't been the hardest for the Thunder. And yes, it's good they're taking care of business mm-hmm. now. But what's going to happen later in the year as these better teams? Some of them might get injured, but I'm looking more at the Warriors. They get healthy. And then the Thunder have to go well, up against Oklahoma them. Oklahoma City is still not healthy. You mm-hmm. still haven't seen Roberson out there playing yet, and he is the best defender on the team and arguably a top five in the league. So you have the best defensive team in the league right now, and you're going to get a top five defender back, and then you're getting back uh, Terrence Ferguson, who we started to see a little bit of flash of why he was taken as highly as he was mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And again, the depth on this team is you're starting to see that, which was not existent last year. And you haven't even mentioned Jeremy Grant as well. Oh my I mean, god, yeah. a guy He's who, taking a huge step. Um, yeah, and if you want to read Zach Lowe's article that he just put out, yeah. he talks a lot about Jeremy Grant's uh, progression. Uh, but they started using him as a, a, a big, you know, as a five last year, mm-hmm. um, and using his length, his athleticism was damaging. And everyone's always like, well, if he has that shot, if he right. you know adds that uh, next dimension to himself, and he has this year, shooting three a game, uh, three threes a game, and he's shooting thirty five percent from three. So that's even another piece, uh, you know, that's can start for you that can come off the bench that can add that other element. And I think the one answer outside of Denver that I would feel comfortable with is OKC. I'm not really looking at the schedule so far mm-hmm. too much with all these teams because you're going to be playing bad teams. You're going to be playing good teams. You're going to be playing hot teams. You're going to be playing cold teams. It's what can you do on a consistent basis. And what they can do on a consistent basis is defend. And and we talked about this coming into this season. Now losing Carmelo, you're going to have Roberson coming back. This is going to be the best defensive team in the NBA, and it's not even going to be close. I mean, this team is absolutely shut down, locked down. They could do it at every single position. Their worst defender might be Russ, and he's not a bad defender at at all. So I think what they're able to do on the defensive side is going to be tough. And you look at that 1-5 through matchup, 
offensively, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with Golden State. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously it's going to rely heavily on Russ and Paul George on what they can do on a night in night out basis because they're their one two guys mm-hmm. at least offensively. But their one through five matchup for. Uh, Golden State is going to be tough because you have Paul George who can go up against KD. You have Jeremy Grant who can go up against KD as well. You can have uh, you know Jeremy Grant go up against Draymond Green, go with that length and that speed to keep up with Draymond Green even if they go small. And if they're using Boogie, you have Stephen Adams who's one of the best defenders at least at the, yeah, the, the man five needs position. Yeah, a cup out there, that's all. And then you can throw out uh, Roberson either on Steph or you Clay, know, Clay Thompson and flip, hot, yeah. Yeah, flip Russ on the other one. And again, Russ isn't going to get burned too often. You know, obviously if he's going up against Steph, Steph might be able to put it to him back and forth, but Russ is a guy that can trade it um, with him and what, yeah. you know can go on the offensive end and just go back right at Russ. So this is a team that, you know, maybe they aren't as good and star-studded as the Golden State Warriors, and they might not have that offensive consistency because they're not playing in a system, really. They're more relying on those stars, where Golden State's relying on the system with great stars and great talent. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't had seen Golden State's you know full potential with Boogie out there. Right. Um, but I look at OKC, and they do do something consistently great, and that is play defense. And that's something where you look at you know Los Angeles, the Clippers right now, I think they're extremely hot. But again, they don't have that star they can rely on offensively. So, and so deep. Yeah, but so far their system's been really well. I yeah. mean, they've been working everybody, to, to, you're playing every, to every guy's strength so far, I think, to cleaning the glass, their top 10 offense right now in points per possession. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I look at you know what OKC is able to do on a consistent night. They're able to take that defense on the road, at home, and they're able to win games. And I, I really like them as the third best team. But oh. I look at Denver. And Denver not only has that ability to take where what they do best on the road and away, because um, they are one of the teams with you know above 500 record away. It's yeah. not mm-hmm. a crazy thing. It's it's a crazy thing to say because you look at the home records right now of uh, you know the teams in in the Eastern Western Conference. Uh, Toronto has above 500 record. Uh, Indiana has an above 500 record at seven and five. Um, then you have to go to Los Angeles Clippers. They have a six and five record. Denver has a six and four record. OKC has a five and four record. Memphis has a six and five record, yeah. and then you go to Utah. They have a nine and six record. Those are all <laughs> the teams with an above five hundred record away. So they're able to take that home and away their offensive abilities. And Denver, although I don't think they're going to be able to keep this up as much as they are right now, because currently they're the third best, uh, I think, team defensively, which is crazy mm-hmm. to think coming into this. I thought yeah. they were, we were going to be really good. Defensively this year, we're I think expecting they're going to the improve. 80s Nuggets, where we're getting you know the one thirty, one forty five games. Mm-hmm. But right now they're third in points per possession allowing, um, yeah. and and defic- uh, you know the difference between offense and defense, uh, they're they're third behind Milwaukee and Toronto. So they have one of the better offenses when that's fully clicking. Uh, they're currently top ten and they're top three in defense. I think that they have that ability to work in a system offensively, but they also can rely on stars. I know Jokic isn't a guy that's you know consistently putting up 20 a night. He'll mm-hmm. have games where he only has 17, but he's a guy that's leading this team in assists. His usage is crazy high. He's top in uh, assist percentage, and he's a big man. And you're mm-hmm. playing in that system. You're playing with guys like Gary Harris. You're going to be adding Isaiah Thomas. You're going to be adding uh, back Will Barton. You're playing, you're getting phenomenal uh, you know, uh, additions from Juan uh, Hernan Gomez, uh, Plumley off the bench. I, I look at what they're able to do in a night in, night out basis. And although the stark power might be on OKC, you look at what Denver is able to do offensively, and mm-hmm. they don't have to be star reliant to be great. They can play within that system to take that on the road and away. And then also defensively, we have seen that massive improvement where, you know, again, OKC's playing on talent and they mm-hmm. have fantastic defenders. 
but you look at what they're able to do. They don't have any great defenders, but they all have really good defenders that stick to their position. They force turnovers, and they're able to turn it the other way and then, again, play in that system in the full court and half court. And I, I absolutely love what I'm seeing from Denver. And the thing I like about Denver more so than I like about the Thunder mm-hmm. is that I feel like in a, in a seven-game series against the Warriors— I feel like I would put more confidence in the Nuggets than the Thunder to compete with the Warriors at the three-point line. I feel like the Nuggets have the better cast of characters to try to go toe-to-toe with the Warriors with made threes and saying, hey, you can shoot the three ball? Well, we can shoot the three ball as well, and we can make them too. But what what, what would you say, again, outside of the offensive side? Mm-hmm. Why, why? What else about Denver makes you want to say that? My Well, the big thing is I just I was looking at the not even just percentages from three, but just the um, how many made threes that they make per game. And it's like, on average, you've got – Gary Harris and Jamal Murray, they're making about 1.8, 1.5. You've even got um, Will Barton before he missed out um, in the two games that he was, almost making three a game. Even Jokic can make at least one three mm-hmm. a game. And it's like with the Thunder, yeah, you got Paul George at three. Yeah, you got Dennis Schroeder shooting a nice percentage, 1.5. But then it's like Russ isn't really a bona fide three-point shooter. Yes, he can do it. Kind of like, I'm going to compare him on that, and this might be a slap in the face, but I don't mean it that way, that Jokic level of, all right, Jokic is making one a game, Russ is averaging one made three a game, but his three-point percentage is a 21.7, which is not good no, they, in this they NBA. they have one three-point shooter on the team, but mm-hmm. that's not their game plan. Like, no, their offense is not predicated on and the that is a, game. But that's a big part with the Warriors. However, the well, one thing with the Nuggets that I question, and this could be the only question that I have with a seven-game series against the Warriors, uh-huh. Kevin Durant. He's the only like you yeah. talk about defensively. I just I look at their roster and I go, who's going to defend Kevin Durant? And here's here's the thing that I will say about Denver is even though I said that they were going to be a top three team in the Western Conference, that was because we thought Houston was going to be so good. And we'll get mm-hmm. to Houston, I think, too, because yeah. I don't think they're fully we could fully write off any no. team outside of probably Phoenix well, this year. They're in the, Western the Conference. only team in the Western Conference um, not in it. They're yeah. a hamstring away. The Rockets. The Rockets are a hamstring away from either being in or out. Oh, no, I'm just I'm just saying like we'll talk about them later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but we're talking about Denver. And I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, even though I said they were gonna be a top three team, I also had them losing in the first round because mm-hmm. they were going up against LeBron. They're going up against that star power. I don't think you're going to be able to match up with star power, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing in the playoffs that does kill them. Because right now, I don't think they have that guy that can go in and go into a playoff series and drop thirty a night. And you know, it's I was going to ask not, you, you're getting contributions across the board from like five, six different guys on any given night, which is mm-hmm. impressive, but. When you need that guy to take over a game. And maybe it's Jamal Murray. But again, I don't think he's at that point in his career yet. Maybe it's Gary Harris. But again, I don't think he's at that point yet. And Jokic I mean, has shown it from flashes every now and then. Yeah. But again, he's not a guy that is going to take 20 shots a night. Like He's not a guy that's yeah. overly aggressive on the offensive end. And, you know, his usage percentage should be much higher for the the star that he is, but he's usually passing the ball off. He's not. They're not. The, the, right. He's the, a the centerpiece are to ending. the offensive system, but yeah. he's not the guy pulling the trigger on the shots. The possessions are ending with him yeah. on his team, and I think that's the biggest thing um, for for the Nuggets is that if they go up against 
you know, the Golden State Warriors, it's that star power that's going to kill them. Because, again, they don't need to play in that system. The system's fantastic for, for that team. Because yeah. you can, you know, throw KD and ISO. You could throw, um, you know, you can have the 15 passes in, in one possession for the yep. Golden State Warriors. Um, they can pick and roll off screens. They can mm-hmm. go high-low action. They they literally have everything in the world open to them. But even then, you can just have KD walk up and, and fire yeah. up a 35-foot like, shot. Oh, things aren't working tonight. Oh, we'll just hand the ball to KD yeah. on offense. So, and, and I think that's the other thing. But the thing <laughs> you kept bringing up, Ricky, that I do want to kind of dispel is the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, the three-point shooting of Golden State. And it's not really that, you know, Golden State's firing up a ton of threes. It's, it's just that they're so efficient at doing so. Right mm-hmm. now, they're 20th uh, in three-point uh, attempts per game, uh, which is crazy to say. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're also, I think, like third and three-point made per game. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. They're tenth and three-point made per game and leading uh, the, the the league in uh, three-point percentage yeah, uh, yeah. at 38 and a half. So, I mean, the biggest thing is that they're just so dangerous yeah. to make 11, and they don't need to base that off their game. And mm-hmm. it's even crazier now because we used to you know, consistently think of you know Steph firing up you know, 11 threes a game where now they don't need that to be their offense. Mm-hmm. They can really you know attack attack, 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 even when Boogie comes back, that's even going to be upped even more. And he's such a great passing big that you're going to get even more wide-open threes out there. And that's where it's going to be you know, really dependent on teams to be great systemly, um, defensively, to, yeah. to really stop them. And that's why I think if it's Denver versus Golden State, or uh, Denver versus Golden State, or Oklahoma City versus Golden State, I might lead OKC because you do have those great defenders with great length, and you can um, switch on anybody with that's a, with, with mm-hmm. Oklahoma City's uh, roster. But if we're not going up against Golden State, and we're just talking about strictly the regular season, mm-hmm. I think the ability to play within systems, both offensively and defensively, for Denver is going to be the biggest thing, and that's why I think they're the second best team in the in, in the Western Conference. But are there any other teams? Because obviously, we threw out the Clippers, we threw out the the Thunder, we threw out the Nuggets. We throw out the top three teams right now in the standings, mm-hmm. but I think it's deeper than those teams because, again, you're saying they're a hamstring away. The Rockets are from jumping back into the playoffs, mm-hmm. and this is a team that's made changes already to their roster. They've added uh, t- you know, uh, guys back to their coaching staff, their defensive coordinator. Yep. Um, so do you think that you know there is a team out there that is a dark horse that can make a run in, in the second, third, and fourth quarter of the NBA season to get to that second spot in the Western Conference? I don't want to give the Timberwolves credit yet, <laughs> but we have seen a change in attitude and we have seen some quick results. And it, it, it's a large change from going from a player who doesn't want to be there and who's actively trying to hurt the locker room to bringing in guys like Robert Covington and Dario Sarge, who are great teammates all the time and who are effort players. Like They are going to give you 100% of everything they got every night. And watching this team, I think, Sean, you said before the show, they're 7-2 and two, uh, since the trade mm-hmm. going down. And defensively, they went from one of the worst to one of the best in the league during that span. I think it is a good step in the right direction, but I'm not ready to say that they're like a lock for the playoffs and they're a lock for you know maybe an interesting matchup in the first or second round because we're not seeing anything out of Andrew Wiggins yet. And that's mm-hmm. still the big thing. Like I'm seeing Robert Covington be consistent which is scary because that's always the danger mm-hmm. with him is he is the like as hot it he, he can be incredibly hot he can go incredibly cold just as quick mm-hmm. and it's when you need him to be there is he gonna be there you don't know you couldn't count on him last year uh especially during the playoffs so seeing him come out and drop 24 and 21 in back-to-back games like oh shit if he becomes like a staple in an offense instead of a role player in an offense like maybe we could see a new level to his game but we still haven't seen Wiggins. And I think in order to succeed, you need all three mm-hmm. of those guys firing. And we'll, we'll we'll get there maybe during this year. Or maybe he just won't find his stride on this team. And they've got a situation to figure out with that contract. But they're a team who I'm not ready yet. 
but I think you got to watch out for them going forward. But and the one thing too, you uh, in cleaning the glass from you sort from the day of the Jimmy Butler trade to now, mm-hmm. and you see the change in Minnesota. They're second in offensive and, and defensive differential. They're second in the league, uh, you know, uh, points per, per point per possession offensive, offensively. They're sixteenth, uh, scoring one hundred nine point uh, yeah one hundred nine point six points per possession. But defensively, ninety nine point six. They're allowing. So we're kind of seeing that Tibbs magic come back a little bit defensively. You know, guys are closing out a little bit better. Carl Anthony Towns isn't getting abused every single night, every yeah. single possession. He's not a great defender in any sense of the word. But so you having... love the tug and the tongue in cheek interview with uh, Robert Covington yeah. asking him, like, how's it feel to get bailed out by Robert Covington all night? Mm-hmm. Like... And and even then, like, he doesn't need to be a massively great uh you know uh defender because the biggest thing about Cat is is what he does offensively. Correct. And again, look at what he's been doing since that His November since 12th. His trade, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's shooting 15 shots a game, 53.6% from the from the field, uh, four threes uh, a game, too, 38.9%. He's got he's averaging 3.8, uh, nearly four offensive boards per game, 14 boards, 2.7 assists, um, and that's 21.6 points per game. So, I mean, the ability to keep possessions alive as well has been huge for Minnesota. I don't know if it's going to be sustainable, but I think that will help them maybe level out to closer to the sixth seed than, you know, maybe like the twelfth seed exactly. in the Western Conference. I think we're getting more consistent play from everybody instead think, of the you know, not knowing if Jimmy Butler's going to be in the lineup or not. And then who's going to need to make a, a step up? You're going to know who's going to be playing every single day, who's going to be giving their all because one guy's not going to be wanting out. And I think that's been absolutely huge for them so far. Yeah, I think that's the, the one thing I'm waiting for is that roster to settle into its rotations because I still haven't seen consistency in playing time given to Josh Okoge. Guy who has deserved it, who is a two-way player, who young, yes, but like Tips has to just admit that he's very good and get him out there more because he is an effective player. Tips out don't there. like rookies. He doesn't like young he kids. He don't like those no. rooks. Uh, but no, like their second unit now gets bolstered up by adding Dario to that unit, and then you can get Akogi and D Rose out there, so you continue that offense mm-hmm. and you still get the effort on defense. I, I think they're they're an interesting team, but I'm not ready to put them in there yet. I just. Not ready to pull a string on that. Ricky? I don't think anyone's going to hate you for that. No, Because, no. I mean, again, Minnesota. I'm not trying, yeah. Once we said that trade happened, we didn't think they were going to be anything. Mm-hmm. We right. didn't think they were going to be making the playoffs. We thought it was a done year. And so far, they've just been massively impressive yeah. and shocking the world. I got two that I want to mention. Throw them up. The first one is Portland, only because this team, to me, completely different of what I've said about Denver. They are Dame, CJ, a little bit of Nurkic. And, like, that's all you're going to get from the like three main scores and this year for Portland it's like I like them like I liked watching them play the Nuggets last night however they're going to be a team where it's like oh wow they're going to win this game but it's going to be like 108 to 105 where it's mm-hmm. going to be like you're down a, to that last second down to the last second or it's going to be hey we played the Warriors and the Bucks and we got blown out like 140 something to 108 and it's going to be a huge game. The other one that's my more serious one, and this isn't a compete with the Warriors, it's to compete with those T-Wolves for maybe the eighth seed, mm-hmm. the Mavericks. Ever, si- ever since the calendar flipped to November, this team went from two and six, and they were now, if uh-huh. my math is correct, eight and four in the month of November. Like, this is a team that has flipped it in one month, 
And maybe they're a team that makes a run for an eight seed this Sean, year. We're just, talking just about the second best team in the West. We're not talking about the eight seeds. I right just now. want to give some love to love. Yeah, to I tried to give it to him last time. I thought that you know if they did add Bradley Beal, that team could be a legit mm-hmm. playoff contender. But obviously, yeah. it's gonna be very tough for them to do so with their pick being in Atlanta and not really mm-hmm. having the cap space to move that. Obviously, Wes Matthews would be a part of that, but there's there's not really a trade out there that not could quite. Uh, send Bradley Beal to Denver uh, to yeah, Dallas. My bad. Um, and their bench has been fantastic as well, and they're going to get Dirk back at some point. Um, Luke has been, you know, really good so far. Had a bad night against uh, the Lakers, um, but that's a team I do kind of want to bring up because let's get away to teams that you know probably aren't mm-hmm. going to be making the playoffs to teams that are you know probably in the playoff picture. But where do behind we... the Warriors are they? Is the question? You know, what do you mean? No, that's like you said, teams that are in the playoffs that yeah, are yeah, behind gonna, the Warriors. And yeah. I think the Lakers are a team that, you know, they haven't been massively consistent, but they do have LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Are they in that radar of second best team in the West? Do you have faith that this team can be the second best team in the Western Conference, especially having the best player in the NBA and LeBron James? On this I want to lean towards no, and only because part of me feels like they got to, if they want to make that happen this year, I feel like they got to make a move. Like, I saw an article on ESPN today where it was like, can Brandon Ingram and LeBron James kind of coexist? And the question is, and I don't know the answer for sure, can they? And I'm kind of leaning towards no. Mm. I'm kind of leaning towards if this team wants to be successful, maybe you got to move B.I. for something to get LeBron some help because you're not going to move LeBron. What do you think? I think that giving up Brandon Ingram would probably be a mistake. You got LeBron for four years. Use the four years. You don't. There, there's no one saying that this is the year you have to, you know, go for a championship. And I'm pretty sure that's what LeBron was saying when he signed the contract was, I want to be here, I want to build something, and I want to win. It just the and expectation I get Bronny. shouldn't be this year. That, that's all I'm saying. I don't. I don't think you move a piece like Bi yet. Like mm-hmm. he is an incredible defender, and he's got an interesting skill set because of his body size and shape. So like. Give it some time. Well, and I know it's fun to trash on Lonzo, too, and he hasn't been great or consistent this no, year, but no, he has shown not. flashes of, you know, really good signs. I mean, obviously, he had that thing against Denver where he just absolutely crosses over uh, Jokic and hits that three. His passing ability has still been on display this year, and, yeah. and he's still a good defender. So I think that, you know, there is hope for their young players. Um, I don't know if you're going to get that consistency, though, that you guys are saying, that they could be that dangerous. And I think it's pretty much the same situation that has been They're still um, relying LeBron so much Cleveland. on LeBron to yeah. close out games. And, and, and that's the thing that I'm worried about is, like, when he's playing 38, 39 minutes a game every night during the regular season, like, mm-hmm. that's going to that's gonna lead to a toll on his body. And we know that he's been the guy who's taken care of his body the most as an aging superstar than anyone we've ever seen before. But still, like, you have to just understand that this team is not there yet and that's why i can't put them in like looking for that number two seed behind the warriors and just to run quick through the rest of them and sure. it, it's not really you know do you think they're gonna be the second best team but where where would you if you had to put a label on them are they playoff contenders um are they for sure playoff uh you know uh in the playoffs uh, in your mind um are they dangerous are they dark horses are they just not gonna make making the playoffs at all um team we didn't mention uh dave will go to you for this one uh memphis what is memphis's label are they are they legit they're just dope you know they're <laughs> they're out there killing it like mike conley again being mike conley is fantastic his shooting percentages like we talked earlier are starting to rise back up to the mm-hmm. normal which is wonderful uh, Mark Gasol, he's just classic Gasol out there, like dropping like 15, 5, and 5, no problems. And Triple J last night killed it, dropped 36. I think he had seven straight go to take it to overtime because a stupid penalty or a stupid uh, foul on a three point shot. Uh, 
No, they're, they're a very good team, but they're not going to have the scoring to keep up with a team like Golden State. Defensively, yes, that's their that's their whole game plan. Is if we keep them close defensively, we'll be fine. They're just they're not going to have the firepower when the time comes. Yeah, they have the worst uh, points per game in the Western Conference right now at uh, 104.9, uh, just behind the Utah Jazz at 105.9. Uh, Ricky, I'll go to you with the Jazz then. Uh, what's mm-hmm. the label on the Jazz right now at 11-12? This is a team that I don't think is going to make the play. I'm going to say I don't think they'll make the playoffs, and I only say that because I have a feeling that a team like the T-Wolves, the Mavericks, or the Pelicans right now, or even the Rockets, teams that are like out or barely in the playoffs right now, are going to do enough to squeak ahead of them. So like Utah, right now. I I know, I know, but it's like Utah (laughs) to me has been kind of like. An enigma this year. Thought they would be better record wise than they are right now. You crank it on Mitch's ass. I, I mean, come on. He's just an inefficient chucker out there right I now. I mean, maybe he's fallen I'm a little bit into. Uh, sarcastic. Maybe he's fallen into the JT role of things, kind of regressing this year. But I mean, no. I Seriously, though. Kyle Corbett should move the needle at all? It does. And I want to see what he does with the team kind of in Hit a three. larger sample. Yep. But I would put more I would put more of my money on the Pelicans and the Rockets to make the playoffs right now than the Jazz. See, you look at the Jazz and again we mentioned them as having a, a good road record at nine and six, but you look at their actual splits. Um mm-hmm. and I don't even know how they're nine and six. Uh <laughs> on it's the dirty. road right now, <laughs> uh they average hundred and five point three points per game and they're allowing hundred and five point five points per game. So they have a negative differential, although they have uh, three wins there, and then you look at home, they've been much better off. Offensively, um, at home, scoring 107 to 105.3 points per game, but they've been allowing 113 at home. So, uh, I mean, you look at them, I think that it might even out a little bit, but if it even out, evens out, I think mm-hmm. that might, you know, you might see a dip in their road record, a bump in their home record, and that just might put them at, you know, 42 and 42. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that's really going to be a playoff team in the Western Conference. Other team that I want to throw out there that we haven't talked about would be the New Orleans Pelicans that you mentioned, Ricky. Um, two and ten away, nine and two on home. It's good to see that they're you know defending their home court right now. And obviously Anthony Davis has not been healthy. Um, you know the Julius Randle, Nikola Mirotic, AD trio to start was fantastic. Drew was uh, was was good as well, but they haven't been really consistent. This yeah. is a team that I do think is going to be in the playoffs. I do think this team is going to be able to bounce back. We'll talk about AD in a little bit. And obviously he's going to do, have to do a lot of carrying. Um, but I do think this team has a lot of talent when they are fully healthy, when they are at full strength. I do think that they are a playoff team and will be able to get more consistency this year and be able to make a playoff push. Dave, to Houston, what are your label on Houston right now? Uh, I think they are legit. I think they figured it out. They just need to be healthy. And that's the thing is like, if you have Chris Paul, Clint Capella, and James Harden, you're going to win games. If you miss one of them, you're not going to win anymore. Like that's, it, it really brings every game to a struggle. Like mm-hmm. Eric Gordon being thrust into that starting lineup is rough on them because their bench scoring then becomes non-existent. Like they have no consistency off the bench when it comes to scoring. And that's kind of funny because it's Carmelo's rule. You know, we, mm-hmm. we all joked about that, <laughs> but no, they, they're they're still a move away. Like they need to do something, and I trust Daryl Moore to do that because he's never a man to sit on his hands when things can be done. So I expect them to make a roster change in the you know next couple months and put them in position. But as long as there's no long term injuries to this team, they're they're a playoff team. They're a lock, and they're dangerous in the playoffs if they're healthy. And it's very similar to last year. I mean, obviously you, you, they did much better when. Uh, Chris Paul was out, and it's really when those big three on the floor, yeah. uh, Harden, Capella, and I mean, Harden's and Chris usage Paul, right now is just insane. Um, yeah, but when those three are on the floor, they they are a dangerous team, yeah. and, and they have been showing that so far this year. I do think they are a playoff team, but 
I don't know if they're top four, um, and I don't think they are. You know, going to be the second most dangerous team. If they can get um, healthy games together. They could be, but <laughs> yeah. that's a, that's a big ask right now. Uh, final last three teams. Not going to ask you to give them a label, but is anyone thinking that the Spurs? Suns or Kings will make the playoffs, or are they just bottom feeders right now? Or are they just I guys want, that finish I outside of the playoffs? I want to say the Spurs, but it's weird looking at Tankathon and seeing them at number nine. No, nah, I don't think the Spurs have a shot at the playoffs this year. I mean, they're not shooting threes. They're they're mm-hmm. efficient when well, they shoot Pop them, don't like they, the three. But they're making nine a game. Like, I mean, you, you need to be making mm-hmm. more than that. And, and DeMar DeRozan has had fantastic games, but again, yeah. you can't be living in that mid-range uh, you know, bullshit, like, consistently. That's why <laughs> Toronto was like, all right, we need you to shoot more threes. You did it. You you looked really great last year, and you were finished eighth in yep. MVP, and then you just regress back to what you were. And, again, that's a really great player, but it's not a franchise changer like a Kawhi Leonard is, and that's why you end up getting moved. Um, so I, I just look at that, and I, I really don't trust San Antonio right now. Um, I think the they, Kings is a fun they story. go for the tank and they go for, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. the... Uh, go for the dookie? Go for, go for a dookie. Like, they're going to be bad. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to be Eastern Conference bottom feeder bad, but they'll be bad enough. To, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll have a good shot. Yep. The Kangs, though, you, you started, and I'm, I'm jumping in on it. Playoffs? Uh, look, then if it's not playoffs, then we got to end this topic. That's what I was asking you. They're fun, but... They're in the running for the playoffs. I'll say it. They're below the Spurs right now. Yeah, or, I'm sorry. They're, they're even. They're a little, yeah, a little They're, they're dead Spurs, even. But. Like, you got to remember, like, the... The what fourteenth team or twelfth team? Spurs are technically a half game behind. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. They're they're all in it, and they got back Bogdan Bogdanovich, which is the biggest deal because he was their best player last year, and he's been reintegrated to this team. A couple games so far. His last couple have been he had a like a ten two two, and then a twenty three three, then a twenty six four six. Like. He is going to continue to improve and add to this team where De'Aaron Fox is awesome. Mm. We're starting to see Bagley now start play. Get you know he was forced into playing time, which was hilarious that the uh, mm-hmm. owner had to say something publicly to get him minutes. But not going to touch that topic today. But no, I think they are legit in the running for a playoff spot in the West. And we talked about them having a horrible month, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like they they lost three in a row, and, and they're, they're only gonna, a half game out of the playoffs. They're going to keep losing games, but. There's going to be some future. There's going to be some time, and they've got great young talent. And I think that they're going to be like one of those teams where it's like you're going to be looking like with 15 games to go, and you're like, holy shit, the Kings are still in this shit. The only question I got to ask is, are you only saying this because you want that Celtic pick to be lower? Uh, I'm just saying <laughs> if the Celtics pick is, you know, like 15 or something, I ain't going to feel bad. <laughs> they didn't have that five-game win streak the Kings did, but obviously, like you mentioned, uh, November. They've got a really rough was schedule. It, was a tough run. Well, no, November no, was December a tough run. is the... Well, well, I'm just saying, like, yeah. November, they took a big dip. Yep. Um, two losses to Milwaukee, Toronto, then they beat Minnesota, lost yep. to the Lakers, beat San Antonio, then back-to-back losses to Memphis and Houston, beat Oklahoma City and Utah, then lost to Golden State, Utah, L.A., Clippers, and they're currently on a three-game slide playing Indiana tonight. Uh, so we'll yeah. see exactly what, what ends up when with. Sean wasn't here. I know, that's yeah. what I say. We, we did their preview, basically, and we're like, so this is how this season's going to look for you. Let's, yeah. let's reality check. I, I yeah. think that they're going to be a fun team to watch, but I don't think they're a playoff team. Uh, final answer on the second most dangerous team, Lock it Nuggets. In. I'm sticking with OKC. Defense travels. It depends on what we mean. If we're saying regular season, I will go with the team in my hat, Denver Nuggets. Yep. Um, but if we're talking about playoffs Who and can trying challenge to them? beat the Warriors. Yep. Um, I think OKC is up there. I think the Lakers are up there just for the sole fact that they have LeBron James. Um, and we have seen what LeBron has done uh, to them before. He will victories. Getting <laughs> one victory in the past nine games uh, in the playoffs. Uh, but 
Uh, that's more than most people can say. Um, and then I think that you probably have to watch out for Utah if they ever get their shit figured out offensively. Um, but I don't know if that's actually going to be able to be happening because Ricky Rubio's look like shit. Well, Don Mitch's look like shit. Is it, yeah. is it the loss of Coach that's Igor? Simple. Coach Igor leaves and the offense uh, struggles a little bit. It's they, possible. They, I think they put a lot of faith so. in Donovan Mitchell out the gates, and he he struggled. Like mm-hmm. he's he's not taking uh, the most efficient shots. He's not mm-hmm. taking the best looks. He's just shooting right now. So I think Chucking. once now now with the addition to Corver, I think they're going to have some nice offense added to that system. He's always running, which means somebody else can get good looks off picks. Like I think they're going to be fine. And we will revisit this topic a little bit later and see uh, who was right, who was wrong, and uh, where the standings lead us uh, a little Absolutely. bit near the halfway mark. But let us know who you think the second most dangerous team in the Western Conference is down below or on Twitter, at Most Valuable Pod. But let's move into Wet Boys, our favorite topic of the Fast Break Podcast. It's a weekly segment where we give praise to guys who absolutely balled off over the past week, had historic performances, were, you know, put up stupid stat lines, just absolutely balled out, had some magnificent highlights, whatever you want to do. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we give some shine to some people, and we add this all up, and we give a total out. We give a Wet Boy of the Year award out. Uh, LeBron James was our winner last year with six Wet Boys um, throughout the season. So, we're going to talk about the soggiest of shooters, the dampest of dudes, the moistest of men. These are our Wet Boys. Ricky, start us off. With your first wet boy. Yeah, you know, mine's going to be uh, DeMonte Sabonis. And the reason why is it's plain and simple. Average to double-double, 18 points, 13-7 boards for the entire week. Yeah, I know that he went 2 of 3 and lost to the Lakers and only beat the Suns and the Jazz. But, I mean, limited minutes, putting up the numbers he did this week, shooting well from the line. I'm a big proponent of that. Averaging a double-double, shooting 48% from the field. Sabonis getting his first wet boy ever. This one shocked me, too, when you threw that mm-hmm. out there. Because there was a lot of guys that were worthy, and mm-hmm. you typically like to, to roll in the, the like high-level names them dice. In, in the in the mainstream. Uh, so <laughs> when you threw out Sabonis, you know, obviously we, we've been a guy that we've followed him for the past mm-hmm. couple of years. We saw him live uh, in his— uh, They won that game, his, too, didn't they? Didn't they, see, didn't they beat Virginia? Or did Virginia beat them when we played? Don't remember. No, they lost because then Syracuse beat them. That's right. That's right. Um, But uh, yeah, so we we have seen them for a while. But a nice, you know, lower tier Mm -hmm. name. And that's going to bring up a question that I saw on Twitter. Uh, One of my favorite guys on Twitter now, Andrew D. Bailey. uh, He was asked a question. What's the best team you could put together that a casual NBA fan might think is really bad. So bonus, I thought Mm -hmm. was a name that, you know, casual NBA fans probably do not know. He's on mine. Yeah, I asked you guys to mm-hmm. oh, well, let me set it up. You okay. can't just say they're on mine. People don't know what the fuck I'm t- you're t- I'm okay. talking about. Uh, <laughs> so I asked Ricky and Dave, and uh, I put one together too, uh, to put together a starting five of guys that people may not know, mm-hmm. uh, the casual NBA fan may not know, to put out uh, a team that could make the Western Conference Finals. Uh, this was the one that Andrew threw out, so you guys have a knowledge. Mm-hmm. Goran Dragic at the point. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich at the shooting hey. guard. His brother, um, not brother, Boyan Bogdanovich at the three, Nikola Mirotic at the four, and Nikola Vucevic at the five. So huh. who is your starting five? So mine is going to be Luka Doncic at the point guard. People know him. Um, yeah, Gary Harris at the shooting guard, Zach That's Levine, it. Sabonis, and then Vucevic. I think the only bad one would be Levine. I think Levine, I is, Levine like, and Luca. Levine is Levine's top, but like the Levine's Bulls, the most popular player on a Chicago he won a dunk team. contest. Uh, true, but like, how many people still think he's? Unless you're like in Chicago and watching Chicago sports right now, like he's not really covered that much. That's why I was like, mine might teeter, 
with a few. I think but... I think Luca Luca Luca's a for sure. I think he he can't be in there because he, he's already a star pretty much. Yeah, but there's a I lot mean, people, of people that there are people that doubt him or doubt his. But the fact that he's being doubted, people know him. Like like we're saying, like they don't know. Like they might think he's really bad. Fine, like, I'll come up with a new point. No, guard, no, no. I, I think no. It's fine. It's fine. And you can come back. No, to it's me. it's fine. I mean, pe- if your if your point is saying that people might be doubting him, the point is that team uh, NBA fans might think it's bad. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's if you're going from that perspective, it's not it's not the, the worst. Uh, Dave, what was your starting five? Sure. So my starting five is actually a little similar. Similar vein. Uh, at point guard, Dennis Schroeder. At shooting guard, Buddy Heald. Wooden War winner. Got to put some respect on that. Uh, small forward, your boy, TJ Warren. Nice. I was at thinking about going with him. Power forward, Montrez Harrell. And center, Vucevic. That team, that team's not playing defense. That all? Outside of Harrell? Watch me give third. <laughs> third <laughs> score. Me. That's a bad defensive team. I think that's just the Suns. I think you could put that. No. Because <laughs> they got a point card. Uh, okay, so outside of that, though, I mean, that's kind of the Suns. Buddy Heald tries a little harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, oh, so he's your he's your Devin score. Booker. Yeah. I, outside of Harrell and uh, your point, I don't. Th- I think it's very Suns region right there. I don't know. I feel like Buddy Hill tries a whole lot harder than Devin Booker does on defense. That's a fair argument, but better scorer. I mean, Buddy's actually a better scorer efficiency wise. Efficiency wise, but also he doesn't. True have, but Devin Booker doesn't have a point guard. Yeah, that's so. I, I'm adding a point guard <laughs> and a better efficiency shooter. So know. a little bit better than the Suns, which might might be a playoff I, team in the West. I feel so, like they're a playoff team in the West. Uh, the one I came up with, uh, I, ha- I had two, technically two first-round picks. The rest were second-round picks. Uh, my point guard, this one's a little bit iffy because I think te- people doubt him. I still kind of doubt him as well. Uh, and it's really like, I don't think he's, I don't think people would put him in the top 10 point guards, but he might be. Mike Conley, at, at my point. Two, Josh Richardson. Who doubts Mike Three, Boyan Bogdanovich. Well, injuries. Four, Pascal Siakam. And five, Nicole Jokic. We don't put him. He's not a top I feel like 10 Josh point. Richardson is known. I feel like Mike Conley's is known. Josh Richardson known? I mean, people were like, for that Jimmy Butler he's package. He's the best player on the team. Mm-hmm. In Miami, who was a bad team this year. Well, it's kind of like my Zach Levine argument. Yeah, yeah Zach but Levine Josh won Rich- the dunk contest Josh like Richardson is much less known than Zach much, Levine. Maybe I interpret this differently. Because I want, like, basically... Uh, unknown, like so, fit, basically not the best player on any team. Mm-hmm. I want, I want, give me, you know, the B name, the C name on the team. I just mm-hmm. want trying to fill out that roster. But, with but, but, here's, B's. but here's the thing: yeah. if you put Richardson on, you know, like a different team, would he be the A, 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 a name? No. Conley, same thing too. Conley might not even be the most well, no, no name. I mean, Gasol was a former Defensive Player of the Year, and he's got a famous brother. Mike Conley most play most highest paid player. In NBA for a point in time. People forgot about that. Because he got injured the next day. I know you didn't, but this is a casual NBA fan, Dave. But doesn't that... Doesn't Mike, that Mike Conley's not on the top contest 10. for Levine would have been forgotten by a couple casual fans? I don't know. I think, I think Conley's we're reading a lot on, this. You know, uh, you know, Sports I Center's to top Conley, 10. And that's why I was like, mm, I, no, sorry, he's... I changed mine, by the way. Instead of Luca, D'Angelo Russell. And then instead of Zach Levine, Rodney Hood. That's just a bad team now. I don't think it's a terrible team. They wouldn't make it. I don't think that's a great team no, because D'Angelo turns over the ball like it's his job. <laughs> and Rodney Hood's a bum. All right. Let us know what you think down in the comments below. Uh, Ricky, your team, team is uh, D'Angelo. I'm just going to say my first one. Luka, Gary, Levine, Sabonis, and Vucevic. You, Dave. Care. Schroeder, Heald, TJ, Warren, Trez, and Vucevic. Mike Conley, Josh Richardson, Boyan, 
Pascal and uh, Nikola Jokic. I think um, you hit too much mainstream. And that's fine. Let us know uh, who did the best job of assembling the team, who put together the best team. Uh, let us know down in the comments. Uh, Dave, probably, this sounded like 2K now. <laughs> Like we just like force draft this to happen, and we'll we'll roll these teams out. We'll we'll do it. No we'll transactions. Just, uh, we'll like go no to your, trades. Yeah, yeah. We'll once, go, once it's forced out. No, yeah. we'll just, what we'll do is we'll just go to your house. Yep. We'll take we'll take off. We'll just build these teams, and yeah. we'll just do uh we'll do a tournament of a three round tournament, a three, three game tournament. I like uh, it. But let's go to your what boy? Uh, a, more, a more well known name. He's he's sort of well known. I guess some people like him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the leader in the clubhouse now. Is he the leading what boy? He's got three. God, I can't believe that. So he he surpassed Davis. D. Rose. It's Anthony Davis. Uh, he's kind of <laughs> good at basketball when he's healthy. Uh, he might be might be pretty good. He he did have a couple great games this week, though. Uh, he put up 32, 13, and 3 on average. He has had some phenomenal performances. The only reason I sound so like humdrum about this is because like I didn't pick him for my MVP, and he's sort of doing really well I in our MVP be, voting. I thought you were going to be salty and just avoid giving him the wet boy. No, I avoided giving Giannis a wet boy actually last week mm-hmm. because like he put up the numbers against the Bulls. I was like, that's you throwaway put, numbers. You right gave there. It to Vusi Vuc- <laughs> Mang last. I week. know. I almost gave it to him again. <laughs> Magic fans. Trying to win you back over. <laughs> so there you go. Now you've it's Anthony Davis. Put Anthony Davis as leader yeah. in the clubhouse. Um, Jake, uh, our, our patron Jake, uh, did say that uh, uh, Embiid is the leader uh, for uh, MVP this year so mm. far. That's his opinion. So okay. uh, well, maybe, maybe he's not going to be Anthony Davis. Philadelphia. Yeah, no. Uh, maybe maybe Anthony Davis won't be uh, the, the MVP, and you'll be he, a little bit. He, you'll be able to swallow that pill. He's not going to be MVP. That's true. Uh, let's move to my wet boy. This was probably the easiest choice. I took this from all of you guys. I was mm-hmm. the first one yeah. to get it in. Uh, Kevin Durant's a goddamn monster. 48 points per game per game over the past three games 10 rebounds 7 assists 52% from the field 30% from three also shooting 95% from the line averaging near a steal a game and 1.3 blocks he's been absolutely stupid that shot I mean he was one and two or uh, sorry two and one um, and the only loss came to Toronto in an overtime game that he absolutely willed that team mm-hmm. to even overtime. Um, that first shot that he hit with like 48 seconds was nasty. And then you got to hit. But then he almost injured Steph Curry on the little little mm-hmm. hip check celebration, got nervous a little bit. And then, but to go to the other point, mm-hmm. he then up his own shot mm-hmm. in that corner, turnaround corner over Kawhi and, and, and tied it up. Uh, KD's been stupid, stupid good. And if you listen week. to Max Kellerman, he actually thinks the Warriors won that game. So, like, that counts, right? <laughs> That was the weirdest segment I've ever seen. I think Max has been taking a couple blows when he's announcing those uh, Showtime uh, yeah. boxing matches. But uh, yeah, Katie's my wet boy of the week. And let's go to Fantasy now, our uh, NBA uh, Fast Break Fantasy League, uh, and give the update that we typically have been going to. Uh, professional me, I am not logged into our uh, our... our Fantasy team. Anyone I don't even in? have it up. Cool. Great, guys. Uh, we typically <laughs> don't do a, this every single week. I was, I was expecting you to go to it. I well, can, I I'm logged in. Forgot so, to log yep, in. I'm there. All right. Uh, give us easy. where are we at standing-wise while so, I log in. First, got to give first place the big ballers are number one. Um, they've got a total of the 100. We are seventh. Woo, 80. We're one point behind What's Up Nation. Same as last time. A great place yep. to be behind, we're hold, right? We're holding steady. We're at 80 points. Yes. That's an up. Hey, we were at like 75 last time. We're yeah. down 0.5 from yesterday. Okay. Yeah. Bad. We're down 0.5. What's up, Nation passed us. But hey, that's a great team to be behind. A great team. What's Can up, Nation? Can you quit sucking off What's yeah, Up, Nation? We it. Well, it's mine. It's, it's, I started that. Mm-hmm. So I got I to gotta give, give it some love. Got to give it some love. But yeah, we're at seventh mm-hmm. overall. That's not bad. Uh, yesterday, we had 112.6 blocks, eight steals, uh, 57 boards, 35 assists. Shout out to Russ, Trey Young, and... Justin Holiday uh, with seven assists. I did pick up Justin Holiday. I dropped mm-hmm. each one more. Um, I feel like that's a the overall 
better pickup. Yeah. Justin Halliday yesterday, too. Eight points, three steals, one block, seven assists, four boards. Yeah, uh, he does a little bit of everything right now. Yeah, 33% from three. Still holding on to uh, Bielitsa. Uh, we got Brogdon on the bench, although he's been fantastic um, recently. Yeah, I was going to say, he dropped a 6-6 six six game from three. It mm-hmm. was dirty. And then we have uh, DeMarcus on the bench. Any pickups you think we need? I mean, what are we, we going to tr- thing we're, try to throw out a trade offer for Drummond and get him off the team? I mean, that's number one. But the only thing we're duty in is blocks and free throw percentage. Yeah, we are uh, third, uh, bottom third in uh, uh, blocks right now. When's Isaiah Thomas coming back? And uh, free throw percentage. Oh, we want to get blocks from Isaiah Thomas? No, I'm just in general. <laughs> and then we are uh, bottom four uh, in uh, free throw percentage. So, I mean, I thought about that too, Dave. What did you think? <laughs> D Wade. He's been playing pretty good lately. No, we're not adding D Wade. We need I mean, blocks. He's averaging a block a game. He is actually averaging a block a game. <laughs> he's he really? averaging a block a game in the last what five games he's played. No, we're not adding. D Rose, come on! No, no D Wade. D Wade, get your head out of Come on, come on! Like, what's it gonna hurt? It's gonna hurt. Like, what are you talking about? What's it gonna hurt? Uh, mm-hmm. We're not gonna drop uh, Andre Drummond. That was just a complete joke. But should we try to trade him this, yes. this episode? All right, yes. Put together your best we do offer it every single time. No, let's, let's actually put together let's, a let's trade. Actually, let's we just actually, say we're going. No, to. let's do it. Let's do it now because we never we always forget to do this. So let's go to somebody who needs boards. No, I don't um, want to go to college basketball. Not talking to you, Sean. What's up? He's clicking the wrong I thing. I clicked on the wrong button. Oh. Grantham. Should we do Grantham? He's fifth right now. I would say that because the one who's and he's, gonna... he's near the top and he's so he's he's good in free throws. He's you know not great in rebounds. We can mm-hmm. try to you know leave you know, even that out a little bit. What do you think? I think that would be the team we look for because he seems to be at you know at least active. So I would say try to trade for him. Maybe Chris Mid. Chris Mid for Drummond. Which team are you looking at? Grantham. Grantham. Rudy Gay. I don't know if that See, really helps that much. Mm-hmm. The thing I'm looking at is but so if you're just trying to move Drummond for something. No, the thing I would look for is if which teams free need free throw percentage. Yeah, which teams need rebounds. I just told you Grantham. Well, and I, I mean, Grantham's not last, but also he's like he he's, it, he, he need, he's like he's middle of the pack. So if you give him Drummond. He'll take a rise in rebounds. He might take a dip in free throw percentage, but again, he might even out a little bit more to push him up to the pile. Yeah. That's what, what I'm thinking. No, no, I think that's entirely fair. What about what about this? Kansas City Kansas City team craft. Oh, he's the worst in the league right now. Yeah. That's I was trying to go away from the guys that are worse because typically they're not paying attention to their team. May, maybe he is. Throw out a trade, get okay. Mobamba. Mo Bamba would help us with blocks. He wouldn't hurt our team, I don't think. Or, or if you want to trade for yeah. Markkinen. I don't think we should do Mo Bamba Unless for you want to trade for Markkinen, because Markkinen is coming yes. back. And Markkinen is not going to play bad. Okay. I, I think we float that one out there. I'll, I'm fine with that. Drummond for Markkinen. Definitely not. Uh, I feel like that's that? actually sort of close in value. What, Drummond for Markkinen? Right. Yeah. I sent it. All right, that's our that's our trade offer. We'll see if it goes live. That's a horrible trade though. Mo Bamba for Drummond. Well, uh, they probably no, average no, the same no. amount of blocks. Nah, eh, Mo Bamba is averaging. Obama doesn't play enough. Well, the last two games he's had two blocks. He had two two one one zero. Drummond just had f- five zero two four zero. So yeah. anyway, get rid of that last zero because it hasn't even started yet. So he's had four two zero and five in the last seven days. He's averaging two blocks a game and then one point eight throughout the season. So okay. Again, like 
We, we, we twice the math scores so way more points. With Markin, yeah. we'll at least be able to save the rebounds. Mm-hmm. Blocks, you know, we'll probably we'll, drop we'll off we'll by, drop a, down. by a, a, a block a game. Way better free throw um, shooter. But he's a better free throw shooter, and he's also going to help us with uh, percentages. So we uh, propose that to uh, to craft. Maybe we we'll have some back and forth. You know, mm-hmm. if he don't want to go strip, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what we can do. But I, I think so. it's I think it's pretty close actually in value. We'll hope so. All right, and hopefully our our, our guy Bonani uh, helps us out in the comments. But that's going to wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, say for the that. Uh, fantasy update the little uh little break for wet boys as well but let's move into the next topic and that is the 2019 draft big news coming out of vanderbilt darius garland one of the top point guards in the 2019 draft pool is out for the remainder of the season this was announced on november 27th freshman point guard darian Darius Garland had surgery for a meniscus injury in his left knee and will remiss and will miss the remainder of the season. Coach Bryce Drew announced Tuesday Darius had a very successful surgery and he will be better than ever when he returns. Unfortunately, he will be out for the remainder of the season. So he was projected into our lottery um, that we did pre 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 where Zion was like fifth and we all regret uh, not having him higher. But mm-hmm. he was a guy, Darius Garland, that we had near the top of all of our point guard lists. Ricky, you just came out with your big board. Mm-hmm. Um, you and Brandon did on the Primetime Podcast. Where did you have Garland rank, and where does this subsequent injury uh, put him, and how does it affect your point guard rankings uh, for the 2019 draft? So at the time we did ours, I had him at 16. Um, but this was also the thing that's changed, too, is it was indefinitely at the time didn't know if he was going to have like a – I compared it to a Michael Porter Jr. situation where it was like, oh, I'm out. I'm going to come back, come tourney time, and try to then up my draft stock as now he's out for the entire year. I The thing with me with this is it doesn't really – it changes things, but it doesn't change a whole lot because for me, John Morant, Dave's boy, um, is still the number one point guard to me. But I think all this changes is – now our eyes are going to go from, with Darius Garland, the choice is too, does he then come back next year? Or does he say, like, a Nick Bosa situation of, like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to work on this injury. I'm still going to the draft. I'm going to go through the process anyways. And he then is still the number two point guard. Or does a guy like Trey Jones step up a little bit in rankings? Because although he is the fourth guy on that Duke team, he is still, like, He's shown flashes, and we could be focusing more on him now that Garland is out for the year. Yeah, the big thing, too, that uh, recently uh, the boys from uh, Draft Express, now on ESPN, uh, Mm -hmm. put out a full 60 uh, mock, and Mm -hmm. Trey Jones was not on that at all, which I found shocking. Mm -hmm. The fact that through 60 picks, he would not be taken at all. And maybe they're projecting that he's not going to be coming out. Um, but I think if he does come out, he's at least look a first round. He's look. He's at least worth a look yeah. in the first round. I had now, him it doesn't at mean twenty one. Yeah, on big board doesn't mean he's going to be a for sure number one pick. Right. But so far, what we've seen, he's bigger than his brother. His brother obviously was a first round pick. Uh, Tyus. Um. You know, I, I think Tyus was a better shooter. But when it comes to all around basketball play, I think it might be easier for Trey to come into the NBA. Mm-hmm. So I think ha- not having him in your top sixty at all. I think it is ridiculous, and Trey Jones does need to get some love. Yeah. But, Dave, he brought up your boy, the 6'3 guard out of uh, Murray State, the Racers, John Morant, number two, or uh, number 12. He's a high-usage I mean, monster. About I mean, thank you to Stevian for, like, hyping people up about him accurately so because he's basically the entire team at Murray State, and it's hilarious to watch him play. 
because he is strong. He has great size. He is physical when he needs to be a uh, great touch around the rim. And he's the only thing that my biggest criticism of him is his off ball movement needs to improve. But like as a point guard, like I guess that's a plus. It's not really something you hold against a guy too much. Um, it's just the dude has confidence in his game and it shows and he gets you points. He gets you rebounds. He gets you assists. He does everything for this team. So that's the question is like, because of his level of competition, mm-hmm. do I think he's for real? And that's the thing where I'm like, I want to say yes. Out the gates right now, I'm still going to say yes. I'm still going to back him as the like number one point guard on my board. But that's the thing. As the season continues, I want to see if he has any consistency because his three-point shot's either there. It's not game in and game out. The four games he's played, he went um, two of six, oh of one. Just completely gave up on that three-point shot that mm-hmm. game. Uh, but to be fair, he didn't play many minutes. So it was sort of a blowout. Uh, the next game against Missouri State, 6-12. of 12. Again, confidence is there. He's taking the shots. And then 0-4 against Bama. So when they lost, he was hurting. He took 29 shots that game. Mm-hmm. Like, he is Murray State's offense. Mm-hmm. So credit to him. He is hitting up every single stat category, blocks, steals. He's doing everything for them. Even doing turnovers, 10 turnovers in yeah. Alabama. Well, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> I was joking. He, no, no, and it's yeah. fair because, like, as a point guard, your ball handling, your turnover ratio is is under the microscope. And I think with him, a lot of the time, he has kind of a, a greedy uh, passing game. It's not like Steph Curry fancy, but it's just like his team's not on the same level as he is as far as the expectations. So, like, he throws in expectation of. Mm-hmm. And if his team's not moving with him, he looks wrong. But mm-hmm. if you watch the play and how it unrolls, like, oh, I could see where he wanted him to come off that screen, or I can see where he wanted him to dive behind, you know, take the back door to the bucket. But, like, he, I feel like he's got it. Like, he's just he's one of those players special. who has it because of his physical intensity. He has confidence in his shot, and he is, right now he's been the best player in every game on both teams. So, like, mm-hmm. that's I want to see him against a higher level of competition as the season goes on. Well, yeah. I mean, you can take that. I think you can take that. Alabama, although it's a small sample size, yeah. as like, okay, this is what, I know the 40 minutes, and I know 29 shots is like, oh, well, we want more of an even usage, but take into consideration, like you said, the team that he's on, but like, just looking at some of the highlights from that game alone, the thing I like most is like, he's got that wicked spin move, where he just drives in, Turns, spins around the yep. defender, and then it's like, I'm either going up for the dunk slash layup, or I'm passing it down low to my big, and that quick pass that he does yeah. right to the big so the big can put it up for two. And the one thing, too, we talked about the uh, step-up in competition. Uh, not really going to come too much when you're playing in the OVC. I know. Um, he's got uh, a run against Evansville, Jackson State, Southern Illinois, Middle Tennessee, Prairie View, A&M coming up. But he Should does make have it to one, the tournament easily. But he does have one big game coming up. And that is December twenty second uh, against number eight Auburn. So that is going, and that's at Auburn as well. So you're yeah. playing an SEC defense, a team that made it to the tournament. Um, so whether or not he does make it to the tournament or not, because this is a team that's going to need to win their conference tournament mm-hmm. to get in. Um, we don't know how they're going to do in conference play. Again, you know, although you know John Morant has been dominant, twenty seven points per game. How will that you know translate to the OVC? Will they be able to shut him down? And again. You just need one bad game, really, for them for, mm-hmm. to not make the, the, the tournament. But he will at least have one for sure um, big matchup against Auburn on December 22nd. Now, before we get into these guys a little bit more, I kind of want to shrink it a little bit. You sure. know, guys that we could talk about. Um, first, let's talk about Darius Garland, just because he did have you know 16 points per game, 3.8 uh, rebounds, 2.6 assists. 
what is the expectation for him? Do you think he's going to come back next year? Do you think he's going to declare no matter what? Is this going to be a Michael Porter Jr. situation where, you know, obviously he's, Darius is going to be out for the full season, unlike Michael Porter Jr., but he's still declared anyways because of his, you know, prospects uh, professionally. So what do you expect from Darius Garland, and should we include him in the discussion of point guards uh, for this upcoming draft, or do you think he will be going back to college? I... I can't speak on to what's going on in Garland's head because obviously I don't know who he is. Um, but to me, the there's a couple things that I think about. And number one is the draft process in general. If your meniscus is healed enough and after the surgery that they said that was uh, successful, if he is healed enough by the draft process and by the combine to show us what he can do, I feel like we may see him try it. We're in with the, like I said, the process, try it, and then, oh, wait, it's not working. I'm going to back out before the deadline to where at this point I would still, he will probably not be in a future big board of mine, but I still feel like I kind of want to include him in the draft process until it is official that no, he is coming back because on the other side, I think about it, I'm going to compare it again. To And one of the commenters on our big board when we talked about this was like, oh, ask Derrick Rose how his knees are now. And it's like, look at Derrick Rose. He injured his knees, injured his knees again. Like, this is an injury that now that you've had it can happen again. And if you're healthy enough for the draft combine, the draft process, do you want to come out and get that money or do you want to come back like Jonte Porter, get injured again, and then you're screwed? Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Garland, at least in deciding on whether he wants to come back or not, is the tie he does have to Vanderbilt because mm-hmm. he is from Nashville, Tennessee. That is his hometown. That is you know the biggest campus that is in Nashville, Tennessee. They have so many campuses there, but the big one is Vanderbilt. Um, so does he want to have that pride of playing for his hometown uh, school? Um, if he doesn't, though, there is precedent for this, and uh, this comes from 247sports.com uh, um, from Evan Daniels, uh, comparing it to Kyrie Irving's injury, because uh, obviously Garland was doing fantastic, like we mentioned, 19.7 points per game, 4.75 rebounds, uh, 3.25 assists, um, 11-23 from three, um, but he said it's eerily similar to Kyrie Irving going down eight games into Duke's 2010-2011 season. season. Yeah. Irving uh, was, however, able to return for the NCAA tournament. And now the biggest question is how will the injury impact Garland's draft stock? 24-7 sports reached out to multiple NBA executives to gauge their takes. Zero, one high-ranking NBA executive told 24-7 sports when asked if the injury would impact stock. I think they're being cautious, and that's a good thing. Uh, There's too much body of work. Anyone who has done their homework knows what his game is and know who he is as a person. And then from a basketball perspective, there is no impact on it. So hearing that, taking that in... Dave, do you have similar thoughts to these NBA executives or are you on the other side? Because, you know, although it is, you know, something that could be cautious on the side of cautious, you know, you could play within the the season for this. It is a knee injury to a smaller guard that's going to be taking hits. It's going to be driving and relies on athleticism. How does this affect him? How does this affect your draft stock? I think he's lucky that this year is a very top heavy draft and Due to the lack of depth, I think he's still going to remain probably in the nine to twelve range for me. I don't. I don't think he falls off that far. I think he, you know, went from being a five to eight to a nine to twelve for me. Like there's just 
you know what he is. You watched him, and for me, it was the high school tape that like convinced me. I was like, there's a reason he was the number one point guard coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. But what I saw there was just a shit ton of handles and the ability to kind of uh, twist his body around the net. Like he's able, and that's why I love the Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving uh, uh, comparison that Evan Daniels made in that article because like when he mentions, I was like, oh yeah. I could definitely go back and see that. Like that's well. There's even because I pulled up the Liberty film right here, and there's yeah. one where he drives in, he spins, and his back is to the basket, but then he lays it up with the back of his hand, and it comes right. In. Like he mm-hmm. he is a great finisher at the basket. So I think again, it, it's a matter of circumstances with this year. If I were him, I hundred percent coming out. There's zero chance I'd come back. You just go, you get yourself healthy, you build yourself up for the combine. And that's all it is. Like mm-hmm. the, the the class isn't that deep. We're literally talking mm-hmm. about a guy potentially being, you know, and Trey Jones. Like it's not in people's top sixty even. Like there is a desperate need for a great point guard out of this class, and I don't think he falls that far. I think he goes even to John Rant because John Rant, like I said, doesn't have that body of work to put up against him as far as quality opponents. Yeah. And I agree with you too. I mean, the fact that you know Garland still has this talent it's just how will he be affected and even like ricky's point if he does want to come out and try the combine and doesn't like what happens he can always pull out which is a, a yeah. great well, addition and to this. Mean, that could also be a negative too because it's all about trusting that knee after like you start rehabbing it stuff and it could be a double-edged sort of hey i'm going to try to work at the combine and then we see him at the combine and there could be a possibility we go Oh, he might not be the same player. Or he might thought. be absolutely fine. Exactly. And then he like might rise back up. So again, we don't we won't know until we're, we're facing mm-hmm. that situation. Um, and you know, we obviously seen guys you know take rises late in the draft uh, last year too. I mean, you look at Jerome Robinson. Um, yeah, hasn't been too well so far. I mean, he has been mostly. Well, in the he G doesn't League. get a lot of playing time. Um, that's the that's his yeah, issue. Yeah, but also, I mean, if you have the talent, you should be playing. But they're a um, super deep team. That's uh, that's the I, I I'll defend him for now. But you're right. For where he was taken, we w- we should have but expected can, to see. You him can on the see court. guards rise if, if there is yeah. a need for it, and that, I think that's the the argument I was, I mean, I was just trying to make. And Garland is a guy that again was highly ranked coming out of high, out of high school. So mm-hmm. let's leave him into this pack. I got six mm-hmm. point guards you in think, this pack that we. Before we go any deeper in that pack, I think with his knee injury and the mention of Kyrie, like knowing what we know about Kyrie's career, as it's played out so far with the continued nagging injuries, mm-hmm. and it's never mm-hmm. been a hundred percent healthy throughout his entire career, like. I'm sorry. I would still pull the trigger on that pick, like taking Kyrie where he where he was drafted, like hundred well, percent. If confident. Cleveland didn't, they don't have a championship. Like, well, that's the thing is, like he because his skill is so high. Like mm-hmm. I'm good taking that risk that even if he re-injures and re-injures, like there's still talent there. We're and, even seeing it with Derrick Rose to a further extent. Like, and that's why he was still I'm a him, good player. Well, I, that's why I'm him. I come out because I would. I would rather re-injure in the NBA than re-injure in college. Well, and he, also, I mean, you even look at that 2011 draft. I mean, there's no one in that top eight that you would take over him. It was Derek mm-hmm. Williams, Enos Cancer, Tristan Thompson, Valanchunas, Jan Vesely, uh, Bismack Biombo, uh, Brandon Knight, and then you finally start hitting All-Stars, Kemba Walker, uh, Jim Fredette, first show All-Star, uh, <laughs> Clay Thompson, and then you have to go all the way to 15 to Kawhi. So I think the only player you would take over Kyrie in that situation would be Kawhi, but even then, no, he wasn't going to be going number one. Like the hype level going into no, that, for sure. Yeah, like yeah. Kyrie was by far the number one player in yep. that draft. I, and it, it, to your point, Cleveland, looking at the top players in that draft, mm-hmm. the guys that ended up being all stars were not top players. Yep. I mean, Kemba was nine, Clay was eleven, Kawhi was fifteen. None of those guys were in discussion for number one pick. So, absolutely, I, I agree with you that you would re- pull that trigger. But again, this is different because 
Darius Garland wasn't a number one pick. He's not, he's not in the top five, I think, even before this no. injury. So then you have to you know look into it, and is he still the number one uh, point guard? So we'll keep him in there uh, for for that uh, you know for this discussion. I got six of them: Darius Garland, Trey Jones, Shamori Pons of St. John's, yeah. Kevin Porter of USC, the six six freshman, John Morant, and Nikhil Alexander Walker, the uh, cousin of our, our boy Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, and the one thing that I have noticed about this, and it's going to be our favorite topic with draft prospects, we're mm-hmm. talking height, guys. Everyone loves talking height. So oh, these but are. But what site are you using? Here, okay, What's the most important. Yep. For Darius Garland, <laughs> I am using ESPN. For all of them, I am using ESPN, mm-hmm. except for Trey Jones, I'm using sportsreference.com. It's sports <laughs> reference.com. If you have a problem with the height, I say, go email them. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Darius Garland, 6'2. Trey Jones, 6'2. Uh, Shamori Pons, 6'1. Then you look at John Morant, 6'3. Not a lot of big guards. You look at Kevin Porter, he's 6'6. Nikki Alexander Walker, like his uh, cousin, 6'5. Uh, so yep. size isn't on the size, uh, side of these guards. Do you think mm-hmm. if size was more a factor, these guys would be higher up? Like if John Morant was 6'5, do you think he'd be you know up near the, the, the top of the, this draft class? Not. You know, oh, outside of point guards. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's that's one of the things is being able to go with a larger lineup is come on, we're we're going towards positionless basketball. <laughs> if you have a point guard who can go out and guard a two and a three, you know, matchup wise, like why wouldn't you want someone who has that sort of athleticism and body build? Because again, the bigger you are, the usually there's an appropriate ratio for your wingspan, which tends to help you defensively. So like it all adds up. So yes, there are guys who are six three with a six eleven wingspan out there. But, like, in most situations, it's sort of, like, linear, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. The interesting one, honestly, I just want to jump into it. Because, like, Kevin Porter stands out, but I don't know if he's a point guard or a two guard or mm-hmm. what he truly is. What, but he's talented. What, what speaks to, like, in the game so far you've seen, what speaks to not knowing his position? I think the ball in his hands is the right move. But I don't see his court vision on the level of what I would expect out of a point guard. Mm-hmm. He is, and that again, that might be due to you know the system or the teammate avail- teammates available on the court. Yeah. But like, he's a guy where I am thrilled when the ball's in his hand because he's someone who has an aggressiveness to his gameplay, and it's just oh, his his shot looks so fucking good. Like that's one of those things where great shot, great defense. Like he is going to be probably one of the better two way players in the guard class as a whole. So I look at that and I'm like, if you think he can transition to being a pure one guard or your system doesn't necessarily need that like old school, like court vision only point guard, like mm-hmm. he's someone who is dangerous. Well, and that's, I think it's a fair point. I was just trying to push you further no. on that. Cause I mean, fair. you look at his, his game log too. I mean, the most he's had, most assists he's had in the game is twice. He's had three. And yeah. that's, that's nothing. I mean, even mm-hmm. if it was like four or five, you'd still be questioning yeah. his, his number one guard. Uh, potential. So I, I agree with that with Porter, but so far, I think if I had to rank them, and, and this is with Darius Garland in there, yeah. I think Kevin Porter might be near the top, might be just a little behind Ja Morant, mm-hmm. um, just because, like you mentioned, his shot, his his uh, size, his athleticism is yeah. something that is freakish. I mean, like he, he has that ability to be a number one scorer, possibly at that one guard position. And I mean, you see back in high school, he's thrown down between the like dunks. I mean, like he he has that next level ability yeah. where if we are going to position as basketball, he can be just a guard for yep. you. And and that's what mm-hmm. I really like about him. I'm gonna uh, make a comparison for him. Okay. James Harden. A guy who comes in, yeah. two guard, develops into a one guard. Like for me, it's like he's got one guard tendencies, 
but he's more of a two guard for me just right be, now. Just be careful a little bit. Well, I'm just saying, comparing him to MVPs. No, 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 no. I'm saying James mm-hmm. Harden, Thunder James Harden too. Where okay. it's like he's a guy similar size, about six five, a little bit six five and a half. I'm looking at Tankathon. They have him at six five and a half, two seventeen. That's around the same ballpark as where James Harden is. So I mean. I look at the film and it's like he's got one guard tendencies, maybe like Dave said, because of USC and what's on their team, he's got to handle the ball a little bit more, but he can develop those at the next level and maybe develop into a James Harden-like player where it's like, Are you saying that just because his his step-back shot is like frame-for-frame James Harden shot? Maybe, and also because they both played in the Pac-12, ASU and USC. For me, it was just like, you watch his step-backs, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's that's inspired by James Harden, built by James Harden. And the one thing, too, I mean, you look at uh, James Harden coming out of college, I mean, a huge thing about him was his athleticism, and I mean, Kevin Porter throws down some fucking nasty dunks. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's something that's huge, too. Um, And you you do mention the step-back, I just, I'm watching a a clip right now, there was one, he's at the left elbow, it's literally just straight up James Harden. Yeah, I know, Uh, that's what I was like. So, you know he did that. Again, I'm not, I'm not bashing you for you know comparing but him to, to James Harden. You just don't want him to crown him, and I'm not crowning well, him. No, no, it's just like like again, like whenever people say, "Oh, mm-hmm. he, he, you can be like," I just want to clarify. Like when I throw whenever, Zion and LeBron in the exactly. Same whenever you say a player, they immediately think that's yeah. their career. Right. Just not like player type, but that's their career. So yeah. the, you, you know, just want to mm-hmm. clarify that. I think the James Harden comparison isn't far yeah. off. Um, but outside of Kevin Porter, outside of John Morant, because we hit them on a little bit. Where else would do you think these guys rank? I mean, where where does Trey Jones rank? How much is he being overshadowed by the other I, three at Duke? I think he, based off of the last two games I've seen, I think he might be sooner rather than later creeping up as number three. And the reason why I say that Wait, is three in rankings or three three in, in like point guard. Three. Oh, okay. I mean point guard. No, okay. he's not going to be pick number That's three was, overall. I'm just clarifying. Um, and point guards because like the Gonzaga game, we saw it to where. It was one of the big three disappeared. Trey Jones showed up. Trey Jones is like, you know what? I'm going to insert myself, be a little bit more of an aggressive scorer, show that I can be that aggressive scorer, Yeah. and he put up 17. Then in the Indiana game, puts up 15 compared to early on in the season when it was the three Dukies trying to just ball out where he only had six, eight, and two. We're seeing more double-digit games. We're seeing those games where it's like, hey— all against Auburn, against Indiana, I can assist a little bit better. But against Gonzaga, oh, one of you guys ain't showing up. I'm going to turn it on and say I can be an aggressive scorer too. And I think that's just going to mold and develop all year for him. And that'll mean going up rather than going down. Now, we, we have talked about, you know, dominant scorers. Kevin Porter has been, you know, around 15 a game. John Morant, obviously 27 a game. You're bringing up Trey Jones' scoring. How important is that um, right now in the NBA to have that point guard that's able to put up the you know points in this, but because because I mean, if mm-hmm. Trey Jones isn't a guy that's putting up over thirteen points a game, is he able to be effective in other ways? I think that's still going to help his draft stock. Now, obviously, if he's putting up ten and you know five assists a game, it's going to be you know better if he's doing thirteen and five. Yeah. Um, but I think that you know I think having that scoring ability obviously helps his draft stock. Um, but I don't know if it really affects his like overall stock because I st- like if you're looking for a point guard, I still think that. You know, it, it, depending on how it fits your system, Trey Jones can still be very valuable to you outside of. But what I'm trying to say is, like, point guard ranking, I think, is different from overall ranking. Mm-hmm. His scoring ability is going to yeah. boost his overall ranking, but I still, still think he's going to be a very highly ranked. You point know, guard who'd be a good fit for him? What's that? Right where Tankathon has on Boston, because it's like, you know what? 
it's almost pretty much a similar situation he is in Duke. You got Jalen Brown, you got JT, you got Kyrie, you got Gordon Hayward, you got all these big names. I'm just going to come in and do fit where I need to. Brad Stevens is going to help me do that. And I'm just going to fit into this team and do whatever this team needs me to do to win ball games. Mm. Replace Terry Rozier. Well, on that too. I, I think a big thing too that I, I do love about uh, Trey Jones. I don't know if you mentioned it. Uh, the two, arguably the two, well, one of the two biggest games for for them, Kentucky and Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had seven assists, eight assists in both mm-hmm. those games, and no turnovers. That's mm-hmm. something you yeah. I was to say like, cards. I, I, it's one of those. Is he being helped more? More by playing on a team with you know, yeah, what do you think? Three of the top three picks, uh, a little bit. I would, I would say so. I would but, say, but do, like but do you that think that you can the burden is off of him? He's playing basically mm-hmm. like he's got no pressure, he's, exactly. That's my thought is the expectation is on RJ Barrett to be the ball handler on that team. Mm-hmm. We all know it, like he's the guy with the ball in his hands for the majority of these games, and he's the guy distributing. So, Trey Jones has like a complimentary piece to him, yeah, and I think that that's kind of nice, but at the same time, that also affects the way I think about him. and not the same way that we, you know, had the Cam Radish discussion about like, can he be a true one? Does he yeah. have that it factor given the chance? Trey Jones doesn't need to be the number one. I think that's the thing. I think he could fall more into the mold of being that complimentary piece, like out the gates without having a problem and be able to play with a second unit and do pretty well with that. And I think a big reason of that is obviously he's playing in a situation that he is familiar with because of his family lineage of Tyus playing at Duke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also he has a brother in the league. So he, he knows how to carry himself. He knows how yeah. to be a professional. He's gotten tips from Tyus. I mean, you, you, you have to think they're talking. Tyus made the trip. The to one see nice that, thing that Jimmy Butler did do yeah. for his team this year. Yeah, so I, I think that, you know, having that... the Army that, game, wasn't it? I think so. I think it was I, the Army game. I think that having that lineage does help Trey Jones because, oh, yeah. you know, you're obviously going to make that, yeah, that transition into the NBA bigger. And also we're talking about, like, Possibly, you know, the third best point guard in the league, the, in, in in this draft right now, mm-hmm. and and that doesn't mean he's going to need to step in and be like a John Morant, and, and the expectation is to right. score points, like a Kevin Porter. The expectation is to score points and be a guard. When there is so many stars in the NBA and you're not being drafted into the top, it's how well can you fit in? And I think Trey Jones does have that ability to be a future starting point guard in the NBA. And there's, I think, there's less volatility in a pick of Trey Jones compared to a John Morant, no offense, I know you love him, or to a Kevin Porter because while you do see this freakish athleticism, you do see this ability to drive, penetrate, take step-back jumpers, well, how well does that trip tr- transition to professional basketball mm-hmm. outside of college or high school and AAU? I think that Trey Jones will be able to easily make that transition. Obviously, then we're just talking about lower ceiling but higher floor. Right, and I, I have to agree with you on that point, Sean. For me, I just go, we've been so spoiled by the last couple of draft classes with their depth mm-hmm. and their production. Mm-hmm. And I look at this class and I go, you're saying potentially third best point guard. I'm going, yeah, he's he, he he's between three and six for me. And he might be picked anywhere from, you know, 20 to 60 in this. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not saying he's not going to go undrafted, but like, yeah. let's be honest, there there there's not a glut mm-hmm. at depth at point yeah. guard in this class. And like, what I've seen out of him so far, I think, comes with an asterisk. Goes well. How good is he? You know, without having three of the top three picks. Mm-hmm. So, given his own team, given the chance to run with, you know, guys who don't make him look like a stud, will that assist to turnover ratio remain spotless? Will he be able to lead an offense himself, or is he being asked to do just enough? And you know, when he needs to, he can step up, like you said mm-hmm. in those games when other guys don't. So. Well, good. I, I just can't put him up in my top three. I think that that's, in my mind, pretty much cemented. And then number four, I go Nikhil. Uh, he is solid. He has progressed heavily from his first year in college. 
and now seeing what Shea is doing in the NBA helps me again. It's you want to go lineage, but like I just go like look, similar play styles, similar physical builds, and defensively he's killing it. Offensively, he's doing great for Virginia for Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. And I see him coming back and the three-point shot is the biggest thing in my mind when you're looking at guards today. It's like you need to have someone who can confidently take five threes a game. And that, that's your ideal situation because we see the struggles of point guards who aren't able to stretch the floor, which leads to bad rotations. Nobody's going to truly cover them out on the perimeter. So I look at him as a guy who's like, this is my modern point guard. This is a guy who I can trust. He can play two ways. He is a solid shooter from everywhere on the floor, pretty much. He's got a couple cold spots, but like for the most part, he is a consistent shooter out there. And right now we're getting to see him be trusted much more. His shot attempts went from 8.4 to 13.7. And his field goal percentage, again, like I said, he made that big jump up from 44 to 52 right now. He's just hitting expectations right on. And I think that he's a guy who I look to sneak into late lottery. Yeah, I 100% agree with you because, I mean, you look at his cousin as well. Uh, Shea wasn't off the bat uh, a hit yeah. when coming to prospects. And I did have Nicky L, I think, you know, in my top 20 at some mock draft last year. Because then he at some got point. injured. Um, yeah, he did, get, he did mm-hmm. get injured. And then obviously we, we started, you know, uh, coming off him a little bit. Um, but I but I do agree that the two way ability of him is massively there. Obviously, the the path of his you know cousin being in the in the league having mm-hmm. similar builds, I think it, it is huge. Um, I think he's a little bit smaller than than Shea because I think Shea's six six. I think Nikhil is like six, six five. Six, five. Yeah. And I think that Shea has a longer wingspan. But obviously, we don't yep. have the uh, the, the official the wingspan yet, from the combine. Yet. The combine measurements yet. Um, final guy that I'll talk about, and then we'll get into our one through six rankings of the guy, uh, Shamori Pons out of the uh, St. John's Red Storm. Uh, he's a guy that averaged 21 last year. Right now he's averaging 23 and 5 assists per game. He's been a guy that hasn't really been consistent this year. He had 20, 21 against Loyola and Bowling Green, then 8 against Rucker, then bounced back with two 30-point performances against California and VCU, and then against MD Eastern. Uh, he had four points, but that's only on five shot attempts, and he did play 29 minutes, and then ended with Georgia Tech. This was uh, today, actually. Uh, 76-73 win so far. St. John's is undefeated. He had played 37 minutes, 10 of 17 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3, 13 of 15 from the line, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, uh, Zero blocks, three steals, three personal fouls, two turnovers, and 37 points. So a big game from Shamari Pons, but again, 6'1", 175, not a bigger guard. He is going to be offensive-focused, though. He can pass the ball. He isn't a guy that has been turning the ball over so far this year, and he does have a decent shot. He's not Mm -hmm. a guy that's going to be lighting it up consistently. He's not a guy that is massively consistent with his three, uh, but also it's super early in the year uh, right now. His freshman year, he did have uh, you know 6.1 attempts per game, and that was shooting about 37.5. Last year, it went up to 6.2 attempts per game, but dropped to 25%. Now he's back up against 31. So the shot is there. He's not a horrible form, but he's not a massively consistent scorer and shooter. So he's a guy that I think is limited in very, you know many ways, but he is a guy that people do like because of his scoring ability because he does have that extra output. Um, so those are the six guys we're talking about. Those are the six guys we're ranking. And Ricky, I want to throw one more name, Carson Edwards, just to keep an eye on. Okay. Uh, the only thing I hate is that he turns the ball over too much. With Carson Edwards, is he above any of the guys that no, we have? No, he's dead so he, last for me in the he'd point be, guard. He'd be seventh. Yeah. He'd be seventh. Okay. okay. All right. So shout out to Carson Edwards of uh, Purdue. Give me your top six then rankings. So one um, through six of the guys that we have talked about. I would say so that's including Darius Garland as well. Number one would be Ja. Then number two would be, you know what? I'm gonna switch it. Kevin Porter number one. Then Ja number two. 
Then um, right now with the injury, I'm still going to keep Garland at three, Trey Jones at four, and then five I'll throw in. Um, Nikhil Shapori. I'm going to throw Nikhil in there because he was one that wasn't on my big board but may creep into a big board for 2.0. We'll have to see how the rest of the season goes. And then you got Shamori last. All right, Dave, you're one through six. Still going Garland as uh, number one. Injury Damn. be damned. It's again. I, I I think that it's just one of those cases where he's got that talent. He's got everything we need to see. I don't need to see anything out of him as long as he comes into that combine healthy. Pff, confidence. Yeah. Just I've just got it. I got Jaw too. Uh, Again, there's the concerns about what he can do against top competition. That's maybe one of the nice things about the Combine is they do those 5-on-5 five five games. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to see him with the other top players attending. So he's a guy who's always going to be close because his numbers are going to be fucking ridiculous all year. But, yeah, him at 2, Porter at 3, Nikhil at 4, Trey at 5. Pons, I'm not a buyer. Like, he's offense. He he might be, you know, looking. if you're looking for a six-man, he might be the guy. But he's also a guy who I'm like, look, three years in college – and we know what you are. You you've got your clear problems outlined. There's so much tape on you that mm-hmm. like he's no long. He, there's there, there's no sexiness to it. There's no mystery. We know what you are. Yeah, and and you know, I think that cases could be made because then you could look at some of the guys that came out of Wichita State. I mean, Landry Shamet was a guy who was a, you know, was like a, a three or a four year pick. guy. Uh, he was one twenty seven, I think. I thought he was like what are he was. For, well, he was a first rounder. He was first round. I thought he was twenty. I thought he was lower twenties, but yeah, maybe 24, 27, But I mean, he, he was around that that range. Yeah. Um, I see Shamori as more of like a two second round. Like, that's fair. yeah. I mean, I could see him being like if we're looking at last year, like a, a Shake Milton. That's the thing. A yeah, Anthony I, I look at Milton. Like I look at a Shake guy, as a good comp. A guy that would be like you for know, range, round two. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Shake was a little bit bigger uh, than Shamori. And that's the biggest thing. For, like think, the range oh, being picked. Yeah, up. I think that that's the biggest thing with Shamori too is the size. So uh, my number one, uh, a that we all agree, but it is John Morant. Um, I, I think that he does have major concerns uh, about what he can be because you I mean having this many turnovers. I mean, we bashed James Harden for how many turnovers he had. I mean, you didn't go with his wet boy uh, for him as a wet boy uh, today because of his turnovers. But I think John Morant, if he's able to tighten it up a little bit. He's clearly the number one point guard, uh, just from what he's done so far. Lengthy. He's a less athletic, less athletic Dennis Smith Jr. in college. Like, I think he's a little De- longer too, De- isn't well, he? Dennis Smith had that explosive gear to yeah. him, where it was like the violent, like Russell Westbrook style. Like John Rance got like the similar ability of like I can get you every single stat, I can do everything for you. It's just you know different level of competition yeah I, I i obviously we'll see what he does against auburn but even then that's only one game i know and that's so the thing we're not sure I, I, he, I gotta hope this team makes attorney yeah it's like it's a thing too it's like if he balls out then you know it's gonna can you blame him for beating bad competition mm-hmm. or not you know top tier competition but know? even then if he balls out against auburn that doesn't immediately mean he's no. gonna be a success so that's one thing too um I do kind of see him in some ways as like a, a like so far what I've seen from Murray State like a smaller like DeRozan in some ways, um, kind of. I mean, not. Like but DeRozan lived in that mid range, and so does Ja. Has very comfortable mm-hmm. in that mid range. But and, and so far, he's he's not a great three point shooter, and like again, like they're yeah, extending that line even when you get to college. Yeah. Um. So then I, I put Ja, then I put Darius Garland. I, I'm not too worried about the injury, uh, because again, talent is talent. I'm gonna go Nikki Alexander Walker at three. I, I think that um again I was sold on him last year. I think he's got the the pedigree. Um, he's got yep. that scoring ability. He's got that two way ability. Um, Kevin Porter, I think he's more of a project because I don't think he's going to come in right away as a, a point guard. I don't think he's got a, a great shot. Like his form's not too great. It's kind of loose. It's kind of quick. Um, it's not you know it's 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 a quick release, which is good. But it's like it's not really 
like form. It's you think it's, it's, it's you a think much it's of a smooth? flick. Yeah, uh, it, it looks like he's like like it, every time he's shooting the ball, it kind of looks like he's trying to beat the buzzer. <laughs> so I think that's the biggest problem with him. It's okay. not it's not something that is like you know dead on that I absolutely love. Uh, then five, I'll put Trey Jones, but I do think he can be a guy that you know if it is a playoff team. You might want to go with a Trey Jones over a Kevin Porter because he is going to help your team right away. And then I'll go with Shamori Ponds uh, at six. So those are our top six point guards for the 2019-2019 NBA draft. I think we probably just could have made it five uh, and just left off Shamori since he was number uh, number mm-hmm. six for all of us. But let us know who you think the best point guard is in the 2019 NBA draft pool so far. Obviously, there's going to be risers and fallers, and we'll be re- revisiting this topic a little bit more throughout the year but let's move into the final topic we are talking about the playoff bound phoenix suns remember we (laughs) did that after uh, the first game yeah severe overreaction Uh, after that win against dallas to start off the season they went on a seven game losing streak and now so far after 22 games they'll have four wins and right now they are at the bottom of the nba the leader surprised in the clubhouse when it comes to uh highest uh Chance for the number one pick. No one's really surprised. John Travolta Giffen here, like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no one's really that surprised. I mean, obviously we had the the yep. topic, and I'm trying to poke fun at it, uh, just because we they had that great start, and obviously it has not, you know, came to anything. I Who thought it was knew? they were going to be a little bit better than four and eighteen, though. Who knew you couldn't win games without a point guard in the NBA? But I thought there would be a little bit. I thought after that first game, they didn't really show that they needed a point guard because everybody was passing well. So that was my thing of maybe you don't need a, a, a traditional point guard. Maybe you don't need that. You can roll a book. They need it. Um, so let's talk about which prospects best fit for them. Um, they might not be the number one pick. Um, they might mm-hmm. get Suns again, although they didn't get Suns this There's year. With lower a, odds than ever. DeAndre Ayton, true. Lower odds than ever. Uh, odds than ever. Um, but let's talk about which prospects best fit them in the top five range. So mm-hmm. obviously it's not for sure certain that they're going to be number one because they might win a couple more games. They might not win the lottery. So. We'll break it up into, you know, number one pick. We'll break it into lottery or uh, top three, and then we'll break it up to uh, top five. Because I don't think, yeah, does anyone think they're going to be, you know, picking lower than five? No. No. All right. So we'll, we'll break it up that way. So, Ricky, give me at least for top number one overall pick, if the Phoenix Suns have the number one overall pick, if Adam Silver is about to say, and with the number one overall pick, the Phoenix Suns select X, who is that X player? Now, I'm gonna give two answers. No, give I me feel... one. No, 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 no. no you no, always no, do this. No, give me one pick. No, no, and no, the reason, no, the reason why is oh, Jesus Christ. No matter who it is, the pick should be Zion. Okay, then However, just say Zion. However, but I Zion. don't, but I don't think it's the best fit. The best fit is RJ. No, give me who you would pick. Who I would pick, RJ. But I don't think that should be the pick because what does that mean? It should like Zion is the best player in this class. If you don't take him number one, you're stupid. But the better fit. Might beat R.J. Barrett but because if you, of if you if if they were like, hey Ricky, we're firing mm-hmm. James Jones right now. You're you're the Suns GM, and you do all this scouting, you do all this. I would stuff. personally take Zion. Okay, you would go as I would so, take Zion. And, and why would you uh, say Zion? Because he's the best player in the draft. Like that would like this pick is to me the easiest. You take the best player in the draft, okay. and, and to me it's Zion. And with Zion, how do you think he fits in with the Suns? Because if he is the best player, then it doesn't really matter about the fit, especially when you're picking number one overall. You're trying to go with with talent. How do you think he, they I would just, try to work him into that? I put him at the four, and I roll. I roll Devin Book at the point, TJ at the two, Trevor Rees and Mikael Bridges at the three. Hopefully, Mikael Bridges well, maybe. Rees is on a one-year deal, so he yeah. Might but Mikael Bridges, hopefully, he's then good enough to be my starting three. I would fl- if then just with Zion that, then I would and flip, Aiton. Uh TJ Warren and uh, 
either Bridges. Or. I'm just throwing it out either there. Either or, that's a five. Like, right. however, the thing that I kind of think in my head is, do I really want Devin Booker being my point? And RJ might be the better player out of these Duke three to then put at the point where I would seriously have a discussion in my head, should we go RJ to then have RJ, Devin Booker, TJ Warren, then it makes the three a little bit uh, difficult between Anderson, Jackson, and Bender, and then Aiton at the five, and then Mikhail can come off the bench and be the six man. Mm-hmm. Dave, what do you think? If Suns are number one overall pick, who are you picking? So the, the answer is Zion uh, for the obvious reason, and I'm going to be a dick here and say, Ricky, just to help your point, mm-hmm. you know, what happened in 1984's NBA draft? Did the Portland Trailblazers take best player available, or did they take fit? They took fit. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're a little unhappy that they ended up with Sam Bowie instead yeah. of Michael Jordan? Well, yeah. You know, I just like you just don't think about fit. Well, Take the but, best player available. But and that's You're why at the like, top of the draft. The question of the topic is best fit. That's why I feel like the best fit the best is fit RJ. Is the best player. The best player is Zion. The best fit's the best player. Well, well, then why why are you why would you say Barrett's the best fit in your mind? Why, because what, 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 because of what you said. You said, you were talking about point guard, point guard, point guard, point guard, and to me. Zion's not a guy that's going to be a when I look at the point guard for this team they need a facilitator a guy that's going to get TJ book Aiton the ball Zion's not going to do that however from what I've seen with this Duke team it's either Cam or RJ and RJ does it a little bit better than Cam Reddish does right now and that's why I feel like it's a double-edged sword of like I agree with Dave I'm taking Zion because he's the best player but if the question is better fit RJ might be the better fit, although Zion's the better pick well, and a better player. And again, this is why we were breaking it mm-hmm. up, because we have top one, top three, top five, because mm-hmm. then when you get to top three, top five, then you could start worrying a little bit more about fit. But These if, if players just make it, it so hard, though. If you guys think that clearly you know, one player is, is that much better mm-hmm. at that number one spot, Dave's making the fair point of, you guys got to go with talent then. Yeah. And, and I think that you know, if they are going number one overall— then you probably would go with Zion. And I know that obviously they have Aiton, but Aiton does like to play the four offensively. And mm-hmm. Zion is a guy that you know might be able to, to, again, I keep bringing up that Jokic position of just put him at the top of the key, have him distribute, or have him drive. Um, and I think that might be the best thing. And, and then that way Aiton can still post up. He can still you know play the baseline. He can still roam. And I think that he can even, you know, with his ability to stretch as well, I mean, that might be able to make your offense a little flow a little bit better because, again, when it go, switches back over defensively, although he's not been good defensively, uh, Aiton, you yeah. could just put him back at that five and try to you know keep him as a rim protector only. Um, or, hell, if you do want to try to switch it up, I mean, Zion so far has shown himself to be a rim protector. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how crazy dynamic this kid is. So, again, with Zion, he is so dynamic that it, it really trans, you know, it goes beyond fit. Because we don't know how he's going to fit in the NBA, but we know he's going to be an NBA player. Yeah. So uh, I think that's—I w- I would also go Zion for them. I, I keep saying this. I know last week we were talking about, um, you know, you know, ranking them, uh, you know, RJ, Zion, and, and Cam. And I think I ended up putting RJ number one. But I also said, like, when it comes to a mock draft, like, and I'm, you know, it's the day of, and I'm, I'm picking, I think it's going to be really tough to go away from picking uh, Zion Williamson. So I would say Zion number one. I kind of disagree with you, though, um, when it comes to RJ being the best mm-hmm. fit, um, because although they do need a point guard, I don't know if that's really going to help them, because then you're giving them two ball-dominant guys in Devin Booker and RJ Barrett. 
And I don't think that's going to be a, a massively successful duo. And then you also have to f- figure out Aiton. Why do you think RJ, outside of the you know the ability of what he's seen, showed so far, you know, handling the ball for Duke, how do you think him and Devin Booker will play off? I think of it a little bit much like look at what we saw in Utah. Look at what we saw with Ricky Rubio and Don Mitch, where it was two guys who can be ball don- dominant. Uh, Don Mitch, a two that has point guard tendencies. Rubio's who's a point guard, and Coach Igor can get these guys to work. Much much the same in his system, like he got Donovan but Mitchell and Ricky Rubio to fit. What I would go with that is Booker thrives heavily off you mm-hmm. know using the ball and scoring, and you know with Rubio, Rubio can play off the ball and he can you know at least he, last year he was a decent three point shooter. Uh, D- Don Mitchell was a decent three point shooter mm-hmm. last year. Where I look at RJ and Dev Book, although Dev Book's a great shooter, RJ's you know a fine shooter. Um, I still think that they're going to be best in ISO play only. Um, and I don't think they're going to be having that, you know, versatility of Rubio and Don Mitch. And that's why I don't know if they necessarily fit better. And then maybe you do look at Cam Reddish. And if Cam Reddish is the best fit, then maybe you trade out because mm-hmm. someone maybe really wants Zion. So, yeah. Dave, what do you think about this whole best fit thing, at least with R.J. Barrett, Cam, Zion? I, I don't think that there's one of those guys who absolutely fits perfect for this team because, like you said, like, Cam is a wing. You are already stacked at the wing in your mind if you have any faith in the guys you've got in this roster today. Mm-hmm. If not, whatever. Like, you can go with him. But RJ's ball handling plus Dev Book's ball handling, I agree. I don't I don't like that calm. I don't like them on the court together being a great fit. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll be fantastic because you have two guys who can go, you know, ISO whenever you need to. But, like, I just would look to get, like you said, someone who can facilitate. So if you're unlucky as phoenix and you get the two or the three and zion gets taken with the one i would agree with you and absolutely look to trade back i would look to go get that darius garland that john rat someone else behind there who can do things for you and get more value because you get some value later like look you're a bad team you've had a lot of draft picks near the top end of the draft in the last couple of years obviously hasn't panned out perfectly the way you're dreaming unless you're dreaming mm-hmm. about another four you know when where you're at right now you're at the bottom so if you get unlucky, bounce back, bounce yourself back to get one of the top point guards available, whoever it's, whoever it is at the end of this year, unless Devin Booker magically becomes a point guard of the future, like he could be. I mean, it's just it doesn't seem likely. So I let I like the move of Zion or else. You go Zion. If it's not Zion, you bounce yourself back to a comfortable range to lock in yourself a point guard of the future. Here is the one thing that I do ask because. The Suns are in a position where they do have a lot of youth right now, and obviously yeah. that youth has not been good. Right? Do you need to add another great, crazy prospect like a Zion, like an RJ, or like a Cam? Or if you are in this position and one of the teams below you might have a star that might want to get out and they might be really itching for a Zion, would you entertain a trade offer? Or is it Zion no matter what just because of his ability to transcend the sport? So far, what he's shown at Duke. Is that on the table at all in, in your mind to trade out of that number one spot and try to add someone who might be a little bit more of a veteran but might be, be able to you know, add to that big I three mean, right away? I would be weary. I mean, but I only look at, and I know it's a unique situation, yeah. but I look at the Jimmy Butler situation. Mm-hmm. We need a veteran. We need Jimmy Butler. Hey, let's trade a guy like Markinen. Oh, wait, maybe we should have kept Markinen. Like, this didn't work out. We give away Levine, we give away Markinen now. And the real KD. And the real KD. And 
it would depend on what the move was, but I would be thinking about that in the back of my head and going, do we want to make that same mistake that the T Wolves made? Here, here's like just an idea again. Don't yeah. don't worry Toss about name. don't mm-hmm. worry about money. Sure, but you look at who's currently seventh. Maybe they even move up, uh, you know, to, to to five. Would you do if Washington comes knocking? Our pick, the five, for the number one, and we throw on John Wall. I would think about it, but only because it would depend on. It would depend on who is there because, and I'm looking at Tankathon's mock draft. Yep. I would think about it because then at seven, I can get maybe a Kevin Porter if I really like. I can get a John Morant if I really want to go point guard. I can get maybe I like the defense of DeAndre Hunter at the three or the three, four, two, wherever you want to put him, where Mm -hmm. it's like, I like that defense that he brings. So I want to get him to where. There's a little bit more prospects there that can help you that you can get John Wall, get that, but it would all come down to do you want to be the team that was – if Zion becomes what I think he's going to be, do you want to be that team that traded away Zion? Mm -hmm. So, Dave, what do you think? Because that's that's the point I'm trying to make. John Wall's a hard no. Okay. Hard no. Uh, Yeah, no. If you you got one, you're taking Zion unless, like, Steph Curry is on the table. (laughs) Like, no, seriously. You guys can laugh, but, like – well, we don't but, know what he's going to be, mm-hmm. and we've only seen a handful of people with his physical I, gifts. I'm laughing that the Warriors would trade Steph. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's what I'm saying is if if they came up and be like, you could have Russell Westbrook, and I'm like, yeah, go fuck yourself. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm going to go with this guy. Mm-hmm. And like Russell Westbrook's a guy who's two years in mm-hmm. a row had a triple-double, but I'd go, why would I not want someone with one of the most unique physical skill sets that we've ever seen? Like, I just can't pass that up. And I'm probably overhyping him. I don't give a shit. Like, he's. A, I said he's going to be the best player in the league once LeBron yeah, I mean, he, retires. He, he's a goddamn Mack truck, but, like, he has amazing footwork. And mm-hmm. it just doesn't. And tree trunks. But also, tree then trunks. you also have to worry about the, the whole injury thing. I, I don't want to get I don't, it, yeah. too much into it. But, no, but again, I, like, you could also, if you, do have, if you do have that luxury of being the number one overall pick, yep. you could also take that and say, maybe we can help our team win a championship more than getting the best player and possibly the best player in the league mm-hmm. because, you know, if you do have that number one pick and somebody is that enamored with, you yep. know, his Mack truck ability of being so fluid, maybe they do give you the farm. Maybe this is something where they give you so many picks that you can, you know, mortgage this and then take it, switch, and trade. I know but it's a lot Devin, of— here, Here's my point is mm-hmm. you've got Devin Booker under contract for five years. You've got Aiton, uh, Aiton on his rookie contract. This is year one. Bridges. Mm-hmm. you got Bridges, year one. And if you think there's any value to him, Josh Jackson's still there. You got TJ Warren for a couple of years. Like, I don't think there's any reason to pull the trigger on getting one of those veterans to stick in this team to try Mm -hmm. to compete because, you know, Devin Booker, you want to keep him happy. Yes, but, you know, $30 million should do that. Mm -hmm. That's that's my opinion. I think you go and take, screw the trades, you go in free agency and you just take a big dick swing at, like, Kemba Walker and be like, here's our money. Mm -hmm. You want to come play with Devin Booker, Zion Williamson, and DeAndre Ayton and... Are we going to call that a BDS? A big dick swing? Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> like, you go out and you make some big moves. Because Devin Booker talked about it. He's like, why can't a super team build around me? Mm-hmm. Like, why, why don't you guys want to come here? And I think that's a nice first step. They've got a head coach who needs to prove himself first off. But it's, it's having that star that Devin Booker is and knowing that he wants to bring that confidence, he wants to bring a reputation back to Phoenix... It's awesome because they they're sick of being the fucking losers. No one likes it, but like he's come out publicly talking about like 
He wants to be successful. He wants to win games. He's sick of losing. And he wants to bring guys in around him. So I think this is the year where it's like, we set it up, and then let's see. If you get the number one pick, you walk out of Zion, huge smile on your face. Mission accomplished, boys. We got it. Go on for agency and unload. Mm-hmm. And just try to get the best of the best out there. So let's go away from Zion then because obviously we're in agreement. If you're number mm-hmm. one, you're going with Zion just because of his abilities. Yeah. Um, and and his, his kind of, you know, just kind of a stardomness yep. uh, that he does have. And let's go to the top three. You know, if you're in that position where Zion's off the board, mm-hmm. which is a better fit, Cammer? Camera uh, RJ, because that's most likely who's going to be. Unless you think somebody else. Say, I mean, say, say you have Cam, you have RJ, no, everybody else. If the you're, board, you're if, picking number two, if you're Zion's two or three, you're taking the one of the two Dukies that Which are remaining. I mean, I would almost flip a coin because to me, it's like they Cam Rush and RJ. It's like we're going to split so many hairs trying to pick between the two of them. I personally, for the Suns, like RJ a little better, but I do get the. I do get the argument of, like, Devin Booker's ball heavy, and we already talked about RJ being a volume shooter at Duke to where maybe Cam Reddish. I would personally take RJ, but I would probably flip a coin between him and Cam and be happy with whatever the coin landed on. And I know you brought up the fact that if you're at two or three, then you possibly entertain the trade look. But I absolutely would. But but if you're if you're not trading that pick, who are you liking? I think I would take not 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 limited to Cam and RJ, but those typically are the people that people are. Thinking I wouldn't. Of. Well, I I'm just gonna eliminate like Bobo. Like I just don't see him and uh, Aiton fitting next to each other. Like okay. just it's too much of a liability. So I even look at Nasir Little as a guy who I like what he brings as a complete package. The potential is there for him, but I would still go Cam Reddish because I think that if if you're all in, you believe he's gonna be the dude that is going to be the like. Uh, guy who is going to exceed expectations in the NBA because his body, his game is ba- is built for the NBA and not built to be surrounded by two other studs mm-hmm. in uh, ball dominant positions. Then he's the guy I would look at because I think you can go dead book at the one, you can go Mikhail at the two, Cam at the three, TJ at the four, eight and five, and it's just like it's plug and play, and that team comes out looking good as long as Booker continues to grow as a point guard. Mm-hmm. I. And I think we can't entirely write off um, Ellie as well, Ellie Okobo, no. um, fully because I mean he's very young. Yeah. Um, but it's going to take a while. For yeah, him we to like get his offensive game, but you know, as far as working in the system, he's got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's going to take a while for him to be anything special if he if he ever, if he ever yeah. reaches that point. Um, the one guy I think we got to throw out there though, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously, you know, we're talking about the four, we're talking about the three, mm-hmm. especially if you're losing Trevor Ariza. Yeah. There is Seiko Demboya. I mean, this is a guy that people are touting that he might even be on the level of Luca when mm-hmm. it comes to international prospects. People liked him near the top three. Why? 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 <laughs> Dave cross don't him like out, him being compared to Luca. You don't compare him to Luca. Why's why that? I, I'm not saying I am. I'm not saying I am. But why? Why is he not like Luca for people who are informed? <laughs> so Luca had done more at his age than anyone in Europe has ever before. Mm-hmm. Just gonna full stop there. He was the most successful youngest player in EuroLeague. Like that's just in, in international play. He was it. His game was so polished going into the NBA that you can't compare it. Cause like, look, Seiko Demboy is a good player, a very good player. But by bringing up someone who is in the NBA right now, putting up like 26 and four, like that's, that's not an expectation you can put on Seiku. Mm-hmm. They're different players. They have different skill sets. 
And Seku's going to be a very good player, but you can't... They're not even close. Like, that's... Come on, man. Come on, uh, come man. On, come on, people. I, I'm come not on, saying okay. these, these are my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the thing you have to look to is, like, how much... Ha- how good has he looked in his playing time so far? And what's his role over there? Because, again, mm-hmm. the expectation for Luka was he was on the best team in Europe, and he was their primary ball handler at times. Seku, different role, different setup. So... Temper the expectations. He is not going to be a... I don't believe he's going to be a game changer upon entering the NBA. I think he's going to be a good player and someone who can contribute day one, but he's not going to take over a team. He's not going to change the way that franchise has a future built out. Yeah, I I just ask because he is in a league that has produced some players that have been, you know, like have been, you know, very noticeable in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he is a guy that, you know, people have a lot of hype about because of his length, because of his no, versatility. Yeah. So just throwing that out there because if they are looking for somebody that, you know, isn't ball dominant and they can kind of mold him into something that they would like, maybe Sekou is a guy that they, they, mm-hmm. they do attack. I, I think that you do not take him, though, top three. I mean, you do look at Cam or, or, or RJ because um, – I think the one that best fits them would probably be Cam, in my mind, just because yeah. he does have that versatility and it doesn't need to be ball-dominant. And people kept bringing up in the, the whole Cam thing that we were saying, like, and we said they were we were being uh, you know, misinformed that, you know, why does somebody need to be a number one for right. them to be valuable? And, mm-hmm. and Cam so far has shown that he doesn't need to be a number one to be valuable. Um, and I think fitting into that, you know, DeAndre Ayton, you know, has shown his ability to take over games offensively in college before. Devin Booker obviously has done that so far. Yeah. So if you're looking for that, that another player to you know, be another secondary piece and be a really great secondary piece, then maybe Cam is that right guy. And RJ has been just talks about him not meshing well with, with uh, you know, other stars. And if he's going up and, and playing next to uh, 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 Devin Booker, yeah. who's saying, I want to be the star on this team, yep. then it's going to be tough for them to mesh well if, you know, RJ's coming out and be like, no, I'm the best player on this fucking Unless team. Unless they work out some sort of magical, you know, veteran history of James Harden and Chris Paul working yeah. together as dueling point guards. Or it'll just be good old two alphas and John Wall and Bradley Beal. We saw that turn <laughs> out. So I think that would be the biggest thing. But let's take the Duke kids off the board. Zion mm-hmm. off the board. Cam off the board. RJ off the board. They truly get screwed. They get screwed. They're in the top four, top five. Um, they're, they're, I mean, the first one I did, they put Phoenix at five. So yeah. it can totally happen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If... The top three are off the board. Who is the guy that you think they're, they're looking for? Is it a point guard in John Morant? Is it a guy in Kevin Porter? Are they going to go with those freaky kids and a freaky kid in Seiko Damboya? Are they going to go with a Bobo? What are your thoughts on, on, on who best fits the Phoenix Suns? I'm thinking between two. I'm thinking between Ball Ball and Romeo Langford. And the reason being is Oof. what do I want? Do I want guy down low or do I want some help from my backcourt? And I kind of disagree with Dave where I don't hate Ball Ball. For the Suns, or Bull Bull. Um, But Bull Bull is going to be a project where he's not going to come in and be like automatically like, here you go. You're going to have to work with him. You're going to have to work on his shot. But the thing I do like with that is you can stick him at the five, eight and the four. I might lean towards a Romeo Lankford, though, although when it comes to him, turnovers aren't a little bit of a thing and he's also oh, a guy that he's also a one guy that uh, a little bit of a uh, ball dominant as well and doesn't have the assist numbers yet that like you get with a Cam Reddish or an RJ Barrett. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's also easier to rack up those assists when you're yeah. playing with the top yeah, I mean, three yeah. guys. Yeah. But you're you know you're right. You're you're 100% right. Romeo's uh, crying. When it comes to that. Yeah, there's a I mean, I was way I, too high on Romeo and I so far 
there's well, questions on maybe, you know, I know obviously it's tough to say, like, if you're a top 10 pick, you have top 10 potential, maybe you should go back, but well, like I think said, he's got a lot to work on. You said about Trey Jones, where he wasn't in the mock draft for ESPN. Yeah. I saw an article today, I don't know if I sent it to you guys in the text group, but it was like, is Romeo Langford no longer a first-round pick? And I'm like, get out of here. Yeah, he's a first-round pick. Like, I don't, I don't, he might not be— He's out of my consideration for top five. At yeah. Least. No. I, I haven't seen— No, but this was out of the first round. Yeah, that's like, Out of the first round in general, which is crazy. But, I mean, if I'm sitting there four, five, six, I think about it, especially right now. I think about it, and I would probably pick between Ball Ball and Romeo Langford would be who I think about. Dave, before you give me your answer, yep. there was an eye roll. Yeah. What what are you what were you rolling your eyes when it comes to uh, what Ricky said with Ball Ball? Ball 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 is ball, ball, not ball, 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 I know ball, ball, ball. Uh, tongue tied. Ball Ball is shot his shot's ready. Like he's got one of the best soft touches for a big in college basketball. I don't know that they have to work too much on that. I think Sean and I were uh, agreeing on the fact that the only thing that he can do to improve that is speed up the motion, especially on the threes. He he does have a long drawback. Um, I think that he is NBA ready from an offensive standpoint. My concern is defensively. He can close out, but he cannot keep up in the low post because of his body size. Like he is long. He is not quite strong core wise. So like, I think that would be my concern, trying to pair him and Aiton up. Aiton, who has the body to be a dominant center, but doesn't have either the defensive IQ or the tendencies or mm-hmm. maybe the just the presence on the court. He hasn't shown it yet. So I, I would be concerned about pairing those two guys up. It could be you know one of the most dominant four fives if you could get them to work together, but that concern leads me to walk away from him. I look back at Nasir Little. Like I said, he's a guy who I think throughout the year can work his way up into that conversation with the Cam Radish and R.J. Barrett area. Like He has, for me, crazy potential at the next level. He's a guy who I think will shine much more in the NBA, but due to his limited role right now, I'm going to just hold my breath on that. I, I'm going I'm going back, and I'm going to... Uh, I don't want to... Uh, John Morant. Like, I'll just... I broke out because like I was like I would still take Garland first. Like mm-hmm. that's my thing is I would still go Garland first. Um, but you can't take someone with injuries when you're the Suns. You know what? You? Fuck. I would. I'll, I strike that. I will take. I'll take Garland <laughs> over John Morant uh, if I'm the Suns. The potential. The potential for having him because Devin Booker stretches the floor out fantastically. You've got Bridges who is going to be a uh, like 38 to 40 plus percent three point shooter. You got Warren who freaking figured out how to shoot a three and is now one of the probably quietest players who's putting up almost 20 a game yep. in the NBA. Uh, they've got good spacing. And again, like you said, Aiton can play out from the elbow. He's very comfortable with that distance. So give me someone who can cut to the hoop, create uh, defenses just coming down on him, like pulling people, pulling defenders, and being able to pass out of that uh, uh, under the hoop in, in the paint, being able to distribute out from that area. You get someone like him with his elite finishing skills, his passing ability. Like I just think that he is someone who would absolutely make an impact for them if healthy at the combine. And here's the thing too with Nasir Little that I think um, in watching his game, looking at his tendencies, looking at his frame and build, I think there's too much crossover between him and young TJ Warren where TJ was so limited when yeah. it came to his ability to shoot from the outside that no, that's fair. then you're getting that crossover of, oh, you know, TJ Warren just took this next step and now we just have TJ Warren again yeah, off the bench. TJ Warren was a very useful six man, but I don't think that's the, the, the edge 
if you when you talk so much about point guard, point guard, point guard, you have to take a shot. Ja. It's either Ja or it's either yeah. it's either uh, Darius uh, Langford. If Garland, wait, Langford. What I Garland. Garland. It is ninety-five degrees in this room. <laughs> yeah. So if I said my brain's melting, I might have said the, the you wrong said name Darius multiple Langford. times. Yeah. Are, we, are we even recording? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I might be having a fever. I, agree, I might no. be at home right now. I'm past. If, if Garland's not healthy, come combine. You take John Rant and you well, feel good about it. I think there, even if he's healthy, <laughs> I, I, I think there is it. the 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 question between them then, because I I think that with with Morant, then you also I think you have the ability to, you know. With with Garland, I, I just think with Morant, there's more playmaking ability, and maybe that's just because he has so much oh. usage. Um, but no, I, he he truly is a better passer. I think that's going to be the biggest thing for them. Is yeah, you need ball movement in this offense. I think that's going to be what it comes down to. And yeah. Morant, although he might not be you know as good as a scorer, he might not be as good as a shooter. I just like his ability to fit into an offense where it is all about speed. It is all about movement. Yeah. Garland's fast as fuck. Yeah. So I don't want to. I don't want to put that past him. But I think that when it comes to talent, Garland might be more talented. But I think Morant, at least in that system, might yep. be the better fit, especially next to Booker and against uh, next to uh, Ayton because also he's very long. And yeah. if you're adding that length with DeAndre Ayton, I think I would really like that pick and roll situation. Uh, so I would probably go with Morant. Um, final guys that you like for them. Uh, maybe they do end up, you know, trading somebody and, and getting another pick. Uh, maybe they just, you know, start balling out a little bit more and they, they fall out of the top five. Any guys that we didn't mention that you do like, and we'll wrap it up with that. With that. You know, one guy that I will like, and this is only if he falls to their 31st pick, Charles Bassey, the center out of West Kentucky. Like, I know this is one that wouldn't be for their first-round pick because I don't think they're going to win enough games to be the 16th uh, pick in the draft. But, like, I look at him, and if he falls kind of like Robert Williams did last year and he falls to that 31, big snooze. he could be one that they take to kind of fit. All right, he'll be grown into that five spot, and then we can play Aiton at the four, like you said, where Aiton wants to play. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I, I think if they fall, if they're able to string together some wins, we talked about him earlier, Kevin Porter is – the guy that I would probably go to if they're in that, you know, five to ten range. Like Kevin Porter Jr. is probably my guy. Like I love his skill set and you know bringing up the Harden comp and obviously like his uh fate or step back is absolutely modeled after that. I go, I see a lot to like there. You know, and, and we mentioned you know multiple guards working in the system and right now he's carrying the load. I, I feel like ball in hand more than he needs to, but I think I would go to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the one guy you also have to throw out there too, if they do get a later pick, uh, Daniel Gafford. If we're talking about really? the 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 low end of uh, of Aiton's defensive IQ, you have a guy that can rim protect at least. Gafford, a guy who in, made the Gafford. interesting decision to go back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he was at, our at Arkansas. Wasn't he? In, he was about he was twenty a, to thirty range. Yeah, he was a, oh, he was a lottery I think, guy. Yeah, I think he was. He a was at the. He was just out in the average was just out of the lottery. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I know he was in the he was a middling guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so he and was... then yeah, try to target like a Trey Jones mm-hmm. if he's available with your uh, late first one. But then again, that just feels exactly what you did with Ellie. Because <laughs> I mean, you, you took him at like what what one one thirty one or was it two? Mm-hmm. But Ellie, I think it was two. Ellie was someone who surged at the end of the year. Like mm-hmm. he was like, oh, guess what. I'm going to have a fuck you like 41 game. Yeah. And like his offensive skill set just looked so good. But again, 
Now we're back to reality where he's playing against yeah, NBA talent. Reality. Now I'm trying the to find uh, Gafford where we put him. Uh, last one where we had Gafford, five, we did not have him. Uh, the live lotto, we did not have him. Four, did we have him? Daniel Gafford, 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 Gafford. No, 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 no. We'll go to 3.0, 3.0, 3.0, Gafford. Uh, 18, I had him at. Uh, Ricky had him at 17. And uh, Dave, you did not put him anywhere. So no, congrats, like you him. called it. <laughs> Congratulations, you called that Daniel Gafford was not going to be an NBA player uh, this year. So, Boom. Uh, But we had him around 16, 17, 18. It yep. uh, was a typical uh, range for him. So let us know who you think is the best fits for the Phoenix Suns. Shout out to uh, Z since we're talking about their uh, his team. Uh, yeah, our, our boy I'd love to hear his comments. Um, so yeah, if you guys have any comments, let us know down in the comments below. But that's going to do it for the hottest fast break in uh in nba history uh i am so fucking hot um about to pass out i'm surprised <laughs> i don't have uh showing pit stains on this uh you're rocking this, a good hoodie this way because that's i why uh, we're black oh and i am not wearing uh an undershirt under this hoodie <laughs> oh really so <laughs> ballsy move in the hottest room i've just, ever been in just just keep the keep those arms down sean but final things if you want to get uh one of dave's shirts dave show it off uh head over to mostvalopodcast.com and uh if you haven't already i asked you earlier on in the podcast but if you stuck around this long Means you liked it. Means you like the hour and a half you're listening to. So please give us a rating of five stars on iTunes. It's extremely quick. And if you you have listened, obviously there's either something wrong with you or you really liked our podcast or maybe both. Uh, so uh, take your time and uh, do it. It's super quick and easy. We would absolutely love and appreciate it if you did. And if you do, take a screenshot. I'll retweet you uh, at Most Valuable Pod on Twitter. Um, we'll give you some love over there. So uh, that's going to do it, though, for the Fast Break Podcast. For Ricky Widmer, who's not even paying attention, to Dave Oster, who's zoning out, I am Sean Anderson, who's about to have a heat stroke. We'll see you, hopefully, next week. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.